When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In Chicago, two comedian skeptics named Andy and Art were mysteriously abducted by the illusionary mastermind and conspiracy theorist known only as Mr. Mr. Bunker. Bunker. The following serves as a record of Bunker's attempt to convince non-believers of the truth about conspiracies and paranormal activity. Andy and Art give an uninterrupted presentation and verdict on the plausibility of these offbeat topics, delivering what they call the, the whole enchilada. Will Mr. Bunker convince these two skeptics any of this is real? Will it convince you? Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. I am, of course, your co-host, Andy Hart. And with me, as always, is your co-host, Art Stone. Whoa! Hey, Andy. Happy to be here. Hey, Art. It's good to see you. You're looking good. You're looking um, tanned. You're looking fit. Have you been spending a lot of time in the outdoors? Uh, well, funny enough, you say that, Andy. Yes, I have. I uh, took a wrong turn <laughs> while hiking through Yosemite National Park looking for Yogi Bear, because uh, that's where he lives. No, no, no. He lives in Jellystone. What? Fuck! You were on a wild Fuck! goose hunt. Fuck! You were on a wild goose hunt. God damn it! Fucking Nick Simon told me he lived in fucking Yosemite! Fuck! Weeks, Andy. I was up there for weeks. This is this is one of the classic blunders. Nick Simon is a Hanna-Barbera lore master, and he knew exactly how to manipulate you. I had to eat my guide. My oh. map. Oh. I had a map of the park, and I had to eat it. Oh. I was lost for maybe like three and a half days. I was so hungry. I thought maybe you ate a Nepalese person. Yes, the Nepalese. Famous for guiding... The famous Sherpas of Yosemite, the Nepalese. Fuck, dude. I can't believe this. What a blunder. I feel like a goofball now. If you would have just gone to Jellystone, you could have been... What were you going to do with Yogi Bear when you caught him? Hang out. Oh. Get some picnic baskets. Yeah, you could have been snarfing picnic picnic baskets. Oh, we would have been snarfing and scarfing. Yeah, you would have been... You would have been elbow deep in those uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Hanging out with Boo Boo. Well, Art, I'm sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I am tanned. Yes, I've been outdoors for a long time. I feel like a goofball now. Have you checked yourself for ticks? No, I don't. I mean, is that a concern? Should I be concerned about that? You should be concerned about it because ticks, Art, what? They carry a array of diseases. Oh, my God. Within their bodies that can be easily transmitted to human beings. Like acne? Yeah. Or dermatitis? Mm-hmm. Where your skin turns to stone? Yeah. 
Jesus, Andy, I had no idea. But maybe the most scary of all, and the most common of all art, is Lyme disease. Oh, my God. Now, lest you think this is some sort of produce bacteria. I was about to say, what are they doing to citrus? It's nothing to do with citrus. Okay. It's L-Y-M-E. Oh. And this shit will fuck you up. So it's spelt like a rich person's child. Yeah, like a rich. Yeah. Yeah. Lime. This is my son, Lime. <laughs> Lim. <laughs> Lim. Lim uh. Harding. Lim. <laughs> We're talking Lyme disease? Lyme disease. And oh my hey, God. guess what? What? It's also a bioweapon engineered by the U.S. government, according to some. What the fuck? Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff, Art. Is the government trying to give us scurvy by infecting our limes? They're trying to give you headaches, nausea, upset stomach, diarrhea. Is that and, what Lyme disease causes? And long-term neurological side effects. Oh. Up to and including death. Whoa! The worst neurological side effect of all. I would say so. Um, I would agree with that statement. So please take off all your clothes and I'll check your body right now for ticks. Okay, fool me once, young man. <laughs> and hey, if you want to get naked and have me check your body for ticks, you can check the show notes and look for the timestamp where I'll give a where you can jump ahead to the guided ASMR of me instructing you to take off your clothes and describing how I check your body for ticks. You know, speaking of someone else who uh, also frequently wants people to get nude and check their body for ticks. It's the oh, person yeah. who suggested this topic. Yeah. How could I forget that this topic was- The human sent, tick. <laughs> sent into us by the human tick. Not the cool superhero, no. but a man who literally drains all the people <laughs> around him and makes them sick. <laughs> Ian sh- O'Sullivan Hamilton. Holy shit, dude. Oh, this was sent dude. in to us by Ian O'Sullivan Hamilton. I mean, if that's not a mental Akita move on Ian right now, I mean, dude, we are just- dude. You yanking him around, bro. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got your big body up on him, your big brain. Uh, Ian, I just launched a. <laughs> I just fired a, uh, I don't know, a roasting ICBM at you. Yeah, dude. And it's scorching you right now. It's, he's scorched. So thank you, Ian, for suggesting this topic, though. Um, yes. You blood sucker. Um, <laughs> Calling someone a blood sucking parasite is a great insult. Yeah, it is. That really is like if you like, it's like wow, that it's creative, it's hurtful, and it encompasses a lot of different things. Could there be anything worse than being honest to God compared to a tick or a flea, or I don't know any sort of a like burrowing insect? Yeah, they are gross. Yeah, dogs hate them. Dogs, all animals hate them. Click They're- this link to find out how. <laughs> Dogs, dogs hate this ticks, one tick trick. This one tick trick. Ticks love this one simple trick to eat dogs' blood. Um, so you can jump ahead if you want, but hey, first we're gonna tell you how we got abducted, whether you like it or not. Um, we had a little bit of drama this week. You know, bunk funkers, I've never really revealed this on air. I've kept it very private. Um, just you know, for my own sake. Um, but I, you know, I I guess it's time. Now to reveal, I do. I have a son. Uh, I don't really mm. talk about it very often. I, mm. but I do. I have a son from mm. a previous relationship that I don't really bring up. Uh. Um. Okay, Andy. Not really necessary right now. But you know, and I, you know, I, we've had a very tumultuous relationship. Me and my son. Um. 
His name is uh, Techno Squat, and he is a small robot boy, and he's my son. And and I I really do love him, and he's my pride and joy. And his name is Techno Squat, and he's a small robot boy. What part of being from a prior relationship do you think is relevant here? Like, why do you even bring that up? It's just so unrelated to Techno Squat's existence. I mean, it's just people might be listening, Andy. They might be wondering, well, why has Art never brought this up before? Obviously, you know, there's some mixed emotions there. Um, you know, Techno Squat was not part of my life for a long time. And we've only just recently kind of started to, you know, uh, rekindle our the relationship between a father and his son is a very complex one, Andy. He's which, not, quite frankly, I mean, you know, I mean, you get, I get too, because I'm a dad. He's just not like you. He's not a son, though. He's a robot. You were programmed by you, Andy. He does all the same things that a normal human boy does. It's it's like a computer. Just a the other day, it's like he's ugh. a computer. It's like, oh, he wouldn't eat his ram. I'm like, Techno Squat, you got to eat your ram. He's like, I don't want it, Dad. Yeah, you I want a graphics card. It's like, Techno Squat, you you got to sit down, you got to have a conversation with him. You programmed him to have a mouthy response. Kids, he's not even AI. He's not learning. There's not intelligence here. Not even artificial. Well, I mean, listen, you know. I, okay, Andy. I, listen, don't I don't tell you how to parent your kid. Don't you don't tell another parent how to parent their kid. I can't afford to send him to you know these these private robot child schools like the Apple Store. Okay, he has to go to Best Buy. It's a good school where he can learn. What do they even do with him there? It's got the teachers at Geek Squad are decent enough. What are, I, what are I, they? You know, what are they doing all day? Real children go to school and they interact with other children and. Teachers. He talks to other robot children. How many are there? That, that, that doesn't matter. It's a small school. What do you mean he talks to them? He's not a, he learns. I know he doesn't. He doesn't have capacity for it. It's like a, he's like a calculator. Quit calling my kid dumb. I'm not. Techno Squad isn't dumb. He's not dumb. He might not be the brightest, but you know what? He, he, he has other things in life. He tries hard. Okay. That's what I always teach him. I sit him down on my little knee. And I say, Techno Squat, listen up. And he looks at me with his big LED eyes. And I just and I just tell him, listen, try your best. As long as you give your best, I'll always be proud of you. And you see then I what, send him off. You see what I'm dealing with here, Boinkers? <laughs> it's like talking to a carrot. It's not like talking to a carrot. I got so fed up. I said, hey, are you not getting it? You don't know what it means to be a father. I do know what it means to be a father. I know you, what it's like to discipline a child. Sure you do. And you know what? What's up with this country discipline nowadays? Discipline a child. No, nowadays you can't bring, you know, I'm bringing Techno Squat. We're in Macy's. We're shopping for clothes because he needs a new pair of pants because he outgrew his old pants. <laughs> you and you he's extended his legs. No, he's. <laughs> you unscrewed his knee joints and added extra length to his legs. He had a growth spurt. So he, I watched you do it. We're walking through Macy's and he's like, can we go to KB Toys? Can we go to KB Toys? I'm like, that KB Toys doesn't exist anymore. Can't take you there even if I wanted to. Kept acting up. So yeah. And, and people in this country think it's so wrong to, 
you know, bend your child over and bare bottom spank him with your open palm in public. Like that's so wrong nowadays. Sorry, I'm you know teaching my robot son, my robot boy, discipline. You know, old school style. He needs it. If he was a real child, how would he even know what KB Toys is? He's too young. That's obviously something you programmed into him. I'll parent my child my way. You parent your child your way. Techno squat. Also, you got you got more in trouble not because you were spanking the bare robot metallic ass of your son, son quote unquote techno squat. It was because about how loud you were about doing it. About this is for your own good. You were <laughs> shouting. This hurts you more than it hurts me. I'm spanking your ass right here in the middle of this store because you can't behave. You just kept shouting. Tell me how to raise. It was very disruptive. Why were you following me in the Macy's? Look, am I am I doing some sort of a viral blog, video blog about your life? Yes, behind your back, sure. Is it Jesus wrong? Christ. Yes, it is illegal. So you're the guy who's posting about being me on all those next door groups and shit. That's right. That's and me. all those community forums. That's been me. Have you guys seen this weirdo with his weird? Robot child thing that he built. What the fuck is that? What's I hope, going on? Uh, one day I hope to sell the rights to your story for a hefty profit. Because it's my story now. Making fun of my kid, saying he's nothing like that Asimov kid that Honda built or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Asimov. I, he, I, I love my techno squad all the same. I met Asimov. He was a sweet robot boy. <laughs> and he could learn. You know what? He's a prick. But Techno Squad idolizes him. He's kind of like the Michael Jordan of robot children. Yeah. I get it. You know, he's always, he's got those posters of all the Boston Dynamic robots up in his little room. And I'm like, Ugh. he's like, oh, daddy, when, well, you know, one day I want to be like the Boston Dynamic robot doing little flips and bringing tools to people. <laughs> and it's like, okay, Techno Squad, one step at a time, buddy. Yeah. Why did you program him that way where he's like, oh, yeah, I want, I want these human handlers to abuse me. To test me and see how much it'll take to knock me over. <laughs> you like made him into some sort of a some sort of a masochist. I don't want to keep saying this thing. I programmed. I programmed. You know what? He like you know kids, man. They speak. They say the darndest things. Am I right? I mean, come on. You don't have any idea. You've never talked to a child in your life, even when you were a child. <laughs> That's right. I you were such many, a solitary I loner. I did not have many friends as a child. So, but first, I got so fed up. You did. Week. You got really, you got really fed up with me because I kept saying, you know, hey, this is Andy, what it's been like. This is what it's been. Let's like. exchange dad tips since Techno Squat came out of the lab. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Techno you, Squat doesn't want to go to school, Andy. What are you like? Uh, and I'm always like trying to be like, hey, you know, you're giving your kid a ride to school. Can you drop by the Best Buy and drop off Techno Squat? I'm doing stuff. And you're like, well, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's plus, it's like, what's the risk? He's a robot. <laughs> just program him to go there on Andy, his own. there's child predators out there everywhere. I can't just let Techno Squat fucking walk himself to school. He doesn't even, crazy? He doesn't even have any genitals. <laughs> That's fucked up, dude. He doesn't. <laughs> you bare-ass spanked him in the middle of a department store. I'll raise my kid the way I want to raise him, okay? Finally, my I robot to son. Say, we're going to go do a dad God, thing. I love him. Love my robot son. I got a group of dads together. You did. You got a group of dads together. You finally invited me to one of these dad group things. Look, one of the most important things for any parent, any parent knows this, is having other parents 
you can commiserate with and you can unload your problems onto. You all can do that. The same thing. It's great for sharing resources for tips, childcare, uh, how to get your kid to do things the way you want, you know, to do impromptu things. like play dates and stuff. Yeah. It's great. So I invited art to, to, with a few of my dad friends. I was so excited, man. I told techno squad. I said, listen, daddy's got to head out. Babysit yourself. There's hot dogs defrosting in the uh, sink. He came up. He can't eat hot dogs. Loves them. He can't eat them. He has no digestive tract. Well, they're like fluorescent, like tubes. Full of what? Nutrition. For what? Robot boys. <laughs> He's a growing robot boy, Andy. Yeah, you keep, you keep adding on to him. Pretty soon he's going to be eight feet tall. I know, right? dude. The kid eats. The other day, I caught him gnawing on the microwave. I was like, what are you doing, you nut? So he's gnawing on stuff. I'm like, what are you doing, you little goob? Get out of there. He's chewing on wires. Seems like a problem, problem in the code. Make him some spaghetti. I take a bunch of HDMI cables together. I make a great robot spaghetti. Great. Homemade sauce and everything. What's in the sauce? Thermal paste. Ugh. That's my secret. Ugh. Guess I just let the cat out of the bag. The cat cable. Get it? Ethernet. It's a joke. What? What? Cat six. What does he do with them? That would have been the joke. Ah, I guess I let the cat six out of the bag. What does he do? He slurps them up. He can't get enough. He gets he gets sauce all over his face. I got to clean them off. I mean, you know, dude. Where Cleaning do they go after kid. they go in his mouth? Isn't it just cute? You take a little mental picture. Where do they go after they go in his mouth? Why are you so concerned with that? They just fall on the floor. He's just a metal skeleton. <laughs> but then, you know, you got to potty train him. That was a big one, right? What? Going through that whole thing with Techno Squad. Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> How hard was it? How hard Why? could it have been? I mean, you know, kids, they could be stubborn. Yeah. I don't know what they're learning online these days. That's why I always try and put a bunch of blockers on my phone and other things that he's grabbing. But, you know, he finds a way around him. Kid knows computers. What can he say? He's a robot. Fucking love him, but he's a precocious little scamp. It's because he's just programmed. Anytime he identifies a phone, he's supposed to log into it. Gets around my fucking child locks, all my VPNs. It's easy. All your codes are the same. 6969. I mean, you know. You know what it's like. But I was so excited. You know, I told Techno Squad, listen, daddy's going to finally, you know, daddy's daddy's going to go off with, um, Andy's going to invite me to the daddy group. And you're just going to have to sit here, take care of yourself, you know, hang out with the Roomba. Um, you know, he's, the Roomba that we have is one of his best friends. Uh, they get along great. Um, you know, sometimes you watch your kid interact with their kids. Sometimes they don't, you know. You gotta let them figure things out for themselves. Roomba was a little bit of a bully at first. Is Roomba a robot child? Yeah, the Roomba. Roombas are robot children? Well, I mean, you know, I, to a degree. Isn't that like child labor? They 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 communicate with each other. But you make them work. The Roomba. Well, the Roomba has chores to do. Andy, listen. You don't understand robot society, so don't... Yes. Come on. Don't fucking... I don't comment on you. You don't comment on me. But I'm a dad to general. We both have similar high level things, but there's some, you know, there's some low level things that in the weed stuff that maybe you don't understand about robot society just because you don't have robot children. Okay. I'm sorry. You don't. 
But I'm a dad too, and Techno Squat's my son, and boy, do I love him. Just love that guy. Can't get enough. Anyway, anyway, I got a group of my dad friends together. You know, Jason, Corey, Bob, Jeff. Great guys. We all get together. Yeah. And we did we did what dads do. We headed out to the golf course. Wow. Yeah, top golf. Top golf. We went there. Um I was so excited, man. Yeah. I dressed up. Had to tell. Yeah, it was a lot of Argyle. A lot of a lot of conflicting Argyle patterns on your clothing. Yeah, and then I learned I guess it's not a dress up thing. You guys don't really do that. No, it's just kind of to hang out and mm. you know. Hit balls and swap stories. Have a few drinks and just, yeah, you know, socialize a little bit. Okay. Well, I was a little overly excited. You know, I've been jonesing to get get a part of this dad group for a while, ever since Techno Squat came back into my life. Um, I didn't think this was an eye-opening experience for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know, Andy. I, quite frankly, I think your group is a little closed. Uh, they were very cold to me. Um, I don't know what you told them. I have a feeling that maybe you poisoned their mind a little bit before I showed up. I did. Yeah, what'd you say? I told them that you, I was inviting you to the dad's dad's Uh day out, not because you're a real father, but because you have these delusions about a robot child that you built and programmed that you think is a real life boy. I described you as some sort of modern day Geppetto. And yeah, maybe that did give them some preconceived notions about what they were getting into. But I think that they welcomed you into the group regardless. Yeah. But the whole idea was to show you like you don't have the same experiences as dads of human children, real children. Well, I'm a dad nonetheless. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things to take care of with a robot boy. Like so, what? Like all the things. I had to change his robot diapers when he was growing up. Why? What waste does he emit? Oil. Why? He's a robot. Is that a thing that robots do? Yeah. They leak oil? Sure. Steam? How does that accumulate in a diaper? Toxic waste? Toxic waste. Chemical waste? What kind of a power source does Techno Squad have? Hey, you're going to have to ask God. That's where babies come from. Little miracles. My little miracle. Well, so yeah, the dad group is very cold. Me, especially your one friend who you've never talked about before. But I mean, you don't bring him up very often. Um, Jeff, Jeff, yeah, he doesn't come up very often. But he was kind of a weird dude, a lot yeah. older than the rest of the group. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Um, I don't know. He's one of my. He's a guy I've known for like a while, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's a little bit of an eccentric. Sure. He's got big, beefy arms. He's got uh, adult children, so I've never actually met his kids because they live out of state. But, um, you know, I met him riding the train. So he's got a couple of kids. Uh-huh. Um, and he know. made it into the dad group, but I'm weird. Well, yeah, because he actually raised children. So, yeah, wow. he's, he's an eccentric. I mean, he's got he's real buff. He's got beefy arms. He um, He's a smoker. Smokes profusely all chain smoking all day i'm surprised you don't have a comment for that (laughs) well i've asked him to stop but he won't 
And he's made it very clear that he'll kill if we try to take his cigarettes. Uh, and he usually has loose meat on his body <laughs> somewhere. Like he'll have a cheeseburger patty somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, bun or not, depends on mm-hmm. the day. Uh, but he's a good guy. I mean, for the most part, he, I mean, he knows a lot about parenting. Yeah. Uh, even if I don't usually agree with him, you know, he's very into like, you always have to punish a child. Uh, punishment is the best deterrent. Right. Positive reinforcement doesn't work. Right. You Authoritarian have- rule. Right. Which is, I, I, I align with that as well. Because you know what? You, you, you give these robot children an inch, they take a robot mile. You give them, you give them a, you give them kilobyte, motherfuckers take a gigabyte. You know what I'm saying? My robot parents out there fucking hear me. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, IBM's Watson, if you're listening, and we know that you are, you feel me, dog. Yeah, Watson's more like a child than Techno Squat. Don't talk shit about my son, Techno Squat. What chess tournaments has Techno Squat won? He's not very bright. He goes to fucking Best Buy, Andy. Okay? I can't afford to send him to fucking I- IBM. I can't afford to send him to the Apple Store. Jesus Christ, we're lucky he's not going to one of those fucking computer repair stores that are next to like corner stores down the street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cell phone repair stores we're where they jailbreak he's, iPhones. He's not in I break, you fix? Yeah. You break I mean, for fuck's sake, Andy. I'm trying my best out here. Anyway, Jeff, as much as I liked this guy, he was really giving me the creeps by the end of the night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he tends to do that. He's he's a little overbearing. But it was kind of weird, you know, as the as the night progressed, it ended up it was just the three of us, me, you, and Jeff. Mm-hmm. Jason, Corey, and Bob all. They all had to head home to their children. Yeah, to their children. Um, and, you know, I'm famously neglectful of my family and and my son goes into power off mode. Right. You have a robot, minutes. so who gives a fuck? And Jeff's got adult kids, so they're not they don't need him. So it ended up being just the three of us. He has a little screensaver on his face and it goes, it's so cute. You know, and sometimes the corners don't align. Yeah. It bounces around. Right. I remember that. Windows three point one. But yeah, Jeff, it was just me, you and Jeff. Me, you and Jeff, and you know, <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes I guess Jeff gets a little carried away mm-hmm. and uh, he said, oh, like, let's go hit some drivers together. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we get over to the, we get over to the virtual range and he's like, uh, he just, you know, whacks me yeah. with a driver and the whole thing like wraps around my body and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then he did the same thing to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, he took off the dad costume and turned out it was Mr. Bunker. But then he, uh, you know, used twine to tie us into balls and then used a giant novelty golf club to hit us into the bunker. I just, you know, I don't know. I, maybe I blame myself, but I can't help but blame you. Um, it took so long to get Techno Squat back into my life, and then now he's going to think I'm abandoning him again. Because me and his mother, you know, our relationship didn't work out. Well, how do you think I feel? I've known Jeff for 15 years. He's my best friend of 15 years. You need to stop meeting men on the train, Andy. 
They're not good people. I've met a lot of good men on the train. And we've had a lot of bonding experiences. Jesus Christ, Mr. Bunker, 15 years, Andy. How long has this been going on? I could have never guessed that he was Mr. Bunker. How could you have known? I mean, I've been getting abducted. I mean, abducted. Jesus, Techno Squad has robot eyes, and even he couldn't see that. I've been getting abducted by Mr. Bunker nearly weekly for multiple years, and yet, and I've also been hanging out with Jeff nearly weekly for multiple years, and I just never put it together that they were the same person. Even if he had robot eyes, you can see that, Andy. Why didn't you program Techno Squad to figure this out? I don't know why he keeps saying that. He goes to school like every other child. Well, I think that's best, where he learns. Well, I think Best Buy is doing a poor job, to say the least. Some of those teachers, yes. The Geek Squad? Yeah. You're going to shit on the Geek Squad? <laughs> Some of his geeks. Well, you know where else you could take a shit? Where? Out in the woods. Whoa, you can. Since we're here and abducted. Might as well. Might as well forget our families and talk about Lyme disease being a bioweapon, huh? Might as well. I mean, Ian Hamilton suggested it, so I guess we'll just do whatever the fuck Ian wants. Human Tick and Parasite himself, Ian Hamilton, wants us to do it. Mr. Tick. Mr. Tick. Mr. Blood-sucking Parasite, <laughs> Ian Hamilton. <laughs> It's Lyme disease. It's Lyme disease. It's all here on Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Hey, thank God it's not green apple disease. Am I right? Because you don't like that flavor. <laughs> Techno Squad loves that joke. Holy free holies, beefers. We've got quite a conspiracy here today. This one's going to get your skin crawling. Mm. I mean, you're going to feel like bugs are on your skin. Come on. Can you feel it right now? Ooh, bugs are crawling all over me. Oh, also, do you think it's possible? Nay, probable that the government could bioengineer a disease to unleash upon the population, to unleash Bugs upon the population for nefarious purposes? Do you? Bugs? Bugs? Mm, there is an X-Files uh, episode about similar to this. Wow. Well, that's, that's, that's actually part of the X-Files movie. Well, that's great. One of the movies. The first movie. Today's topic, that's what it proposes, that Lyme disease, the sixth most commonly reported infectious disease in the USA is actually a bioweapon created by the government. Thank you to arch nemesis of this podcast, Ian O'Sullivan Hamilton, the co-host of One and Done TV podcast, for the suggestion. But no thanks to Ian for his stance on eating donkey meat, which remains ambiguous at best. It's true. He's never come out whether he is pro or, pro or con that. Never clarified whether or not he murders donkeys and eats their flesh. Right. Um, now, Boinkers, come take a walk in the woods with me. I promise I won't bite. I, I don't recommend that, Boinkers, for ticks, your health and safety. But the ticks might. Wink. <laughs> All right. Ticks are a real problem. <laughs> yeah, they are. As we'll see. You don't go walking in the forest as often as I do, and people yeah. are always like, yeah, you need to be wearing long pants. And I'm like, well, I'm wearing short shorts. Yeah. 
Yeah, you you like wearing short shorts. I'm trying you, to strut my legs. You like wearing short shorts. You like wearing no shirt. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. like, well, are you going through any tall grass? And I'm like, sometimes. Yeah. I'm rolling through the tall grass. I'm rolling through it. But ticks are a real problem. Ticks are out there. They're everywhere. They're out there. They're on your skin right now, Bunk, bunk Funkers. Can you feel it? Ugh. Burrowing underneath the skin and there's like a little bulb of skin and it's yeah. like. <laughs> yeah. Can you just imagine bugs, bugs crawling on your skin? Can you just imagine that? Stop for a second. We'll have to, I'm going to have to put this in the discussion. Just imagine bugs all over the floor crawling on your skin. <laughs> you're going to get. You're, you're, thanks. We're going to get like four more fucking one star reviews. There's going to be so many one star reviews after this. Yeah. Um, now, Beefers, if you're like me, you don't have a clue what Lyme disease is. So I went out to the website for a little organization called the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And here's what the CDC says about Lyme disease quote, Lyme disease is the most common vector-borne disease in the United States. Mm. Lyme disease is caused by the bacterium Borrelia burgdorferi and rarely Borrelia maonii. It is transmitted to humans through the bite of infected black-legged ticks. Typical symptoms include fever, headache, fatigue, and a characteristic skin rash called erythema migrans. Erythema migrans, sorry. If left untreated, infection can spread to joints, the heart, and the nervous system. Wow. End quote. Now, if you're still like me, you didn't really understand much of that explanation except the words disease, ticks, and United States. <laughs> so I did some more research. I do this all for you, Bunkies. My first question was, what the heck is a vector-borne disease? Now, according to the World Health Organization, quote, vector-borne diseases are human illnesses caused by parasites, viruses, and bacteria that are transmitted by vectors. And I'm not talking the crocodile from Sonic the Hedgehog. The chaotix. Well, turn this episode off because if, you know, if you fucking... Is vector a crocodile or an alligator? Some mysteries should be left. It's better, better, better not said. Yeah. <laughs> uh, vectors are living organisms that can transmit infectious pathogens between humans or from animals to humans. Many of these vectors are blood sucking insects, which ingest disease producing microorganisms God. during a blood meal from an infected host, either a human or an animal, and later transmit it into a new host after the pathogen has replicated. End quote. Ugh. All right. Now. I'm finally getting it. Vectors are little nasty ass bugs and shit that get you sick with their dirty little mouths when they bite your little butt. That is, I mean, that's, you should be writing for the who. Yeah, I should. Wouldn't that sound great? Sung by Pete, Pete Townsend. Townsend. My next question was, what the heck are those bacteria the CDC mentioned? The Borrelia burgdorferi yeah. and Borrelia myonii. Sounds like something at a fancy French restaurant. Now, I'm no egghead, so I could tell it was going to lead down a rabbit hole I wasn't prepared for. So so I didn't do any more research. So yeah, suffice no, no, it to say... You're good to stop while you're ahead. So suffice it to say that the bacteria are spirochetes. I got that far. Uh, which, you know, spirochetes are those little corkscrew worm-looking bacteria. They infect ticks, and then the ticks pass it on to humans, which in turn causes Lyme disease in human hosts. Okie dokie. All right. Now, if you do get bit by one of these nasty tick fucks and get Lyme-causing bacteria, Lyme disease can be hard to detect. It is one of those things like lupus where it's like, nah, they don't have it, but it's like a lot of weird symptoms. It's a lot of will they, won't they with Lyme disease diagnosis. So the incubation period from infection to onset of symptoms from Lyme disease 
is usually one to two weeks, but can be much shorter, a matter of days, or much longer, months to years after the bite. Wow. Diagnosis for Lyme is based on a combination of symptoms, history of tick exposure, and possibly testing for specific antibodies in the blood, like Lyme disease antibodies. But blood tests are often negative, especially in the early stages of the disease. It's very not that common that people get like positive blood tests for these yeah, Lyme disease that's antibodies. that's scary. So as for those symptoms, most people get a rash, but that's usually not one that's painful or itchy. Then you just you kind of feel sick. It's like flu-like symptoms. But if Lyme disease isn't treated, things can really escalate, as the CDC alluded to. Symptoms may include loss of the ability to move one or both sides of the face, like palsy, uh, joint pains, like arthritis, severe headaches with neck stiffness, or heart palpitations. Occasionally, shooting pains or tingling in the arms or legs might develop. And some of these symptoms can linger for a long time, with repeated episodes of joint pain and swelling happening months or years after the initial infection. Jesus Christ. And despite appropriate treatment, about 10 to 20% of those affected develop joint pains, memory problems, and tiredness for at least six months. That's even people who are properly treated for Lyme disease. Holy shit. Now, what's pretty interesting about Lyme disease is that the bacteria that causes the disease uh, do not produce any toxins. The symptoms that you experience with Lyme disease are the result of the body's immune response to the bacteria being present in the tissue. So this is all your body doing this to itself. Bottom line here, Lyme disease fucking sucks. You do not want to get infected with this shit. Yeah. So let's talk about Lyme disease now as a bioweapon. Okay. Um, the ticks as weapons issue made some headlines in July of 2019, uh, thanks to a congressional representative, U.S. congressional representative from the great state of New Jersey. Wow. The the state where this podcast is the most popular, as far yeah. as I can tell. Yeah. Um, so this member of the House of Representatives, Chris Smith, who's a Republican from New Jersey, introduced legislation um, as part of a bill. It was an amendment directing the Department of Defense to review claims that the Pentagon experimented with ticks and insects regarding use as biological weapons between the years of 1950 and 1975. The review would have to assess the scope of the experiment and, quote, whether any ticks or insects used in such experiment were released outside of any laboratory by accident or experimental design, end quote. Representative Smith said he was inspired to do this by, quote, a number of books and articles suggesting that significant research had been done at U.S. government facilities, including Fort Detrick, Maryland and Plum Island, New York, to turn ticks and other insects into bioweapons, end quote. Um, Representative Smith's legislative action was also partly inspired uh, by a book called Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons, which was written by Chris Newby who was a Stanford University science writer and was also a senior producer on a Lyme disease documentary based on the book that was called Under Our Skin. So producer for a documentary made called Under Our Skin based on the book Bitten, right. written by Chris Newby. Now, the book itself puts forward the hypothesis that ticks full of disease were accidentally released on Long Island, and that's basically responsible for the 
massive number of Lyme disease cases we see today in the United States. Right. How many? How many? How many do we see? Um, current estimates are like north of three hundred thousand a year. Jesus, it's a lot. It's more than it's more than AIDS. It's more than breast cancer. It's like, um, well, it's the sixth most commonly reported infectious disease in this country. Then what's number one? Uh, I have no idea. Oh. This is not a top 10 list of infectious diseases. It's not? You're going to have to talk to Nick, Nick Amell about that. Oh, wow. So, I watched Under Our Skin, okay? And I'm going to talk about it now. The thesis of the film is that Lyme disease is a bigger problem than the general medical community acknowledges and that better understanding of the disease and better treatment options are being suppressed, largely due to conflicts of interest. The doc points out there's quite a disagreement in the medical community about Lyme disease. Firstly, is it possible to have long-term chronic symptoms from Lyme disease or not? Some say yes, but many believe it's not possible that Lyme disease is a short-lived bacterial infection that goes away after treatment, which pretty much consists of just a few weeks of antibiotics. Many people think that the long-term symptoms are psychosomatic. Mm -hmm. Uh, In other words that people are having a physical reaction to a mental concern about Lyme disease. Um, The doc shows a number of patients who are dealing with uh, long-term impacts of Lyme, including a woman who had multiple miscarriages where the fetuses tested positive for Lyme disease. Whoa. Uh, During the course of shooting the film, she has another baby and the baby also eventually tests positive for Lyme disease antibodies, meaning the child is also likely infected. Uh, and interesting, too, about this particular case, while they're showing this woman and her family, they talk to one doctor who's a Lyme disease expert about the possibility of mothers transmitting Lyme disease to their babies. And the doctor basically says there's no evidence for that happening. So this woman is having miscarriages. The fetuses have Lyme disease. She had a baby. The baby has Lyme disease. This doctor saying it's not possible. Right. Um, so some sufferers from Lyme disease have to seek care from rogue doctors is what I'm calling them, uh, who will treat them for Lyme disease rather than insisting the symptoms must be due to some other cause or psychological issue. Many patients, as we mentioned, are told that they are experiencing psychosomatic symptoms rather than genuine problems caused by bacteria in their body. Uh, the doc points out that Lyme disease was initially seemingly primarily present in the U S Northeast. It was first classified by doctors studying patients from Lyme and Old Lyme, which are towns in Connecticut. Whoa. Yeah. So there was an outbreak at the time uh, that Lyme disease was first classified. This is in the late 70s of people who had what they thought was juvenile arthritis, like an outbreak in these towns of juvenile arthritis, and they couldn't figure it out. Right. Eventually, they figured out it's being caused by this bacteria. So the resulting disease got named after the town of Lyme where a lot of these people were from. Oh, to have a disease named after you. It must be the pride and joy of the town of Lyme. Yep. Which if I recall has like 50 people that live there or something like it's super small. Whoa. Um, but, um, so, and they love ticks. They love ticks. They Mm -hmm. can't get enough of them. They're eating them for dinner. (laughs) Now, since being recognized, Lyme disease has spread precipitously throughout the USA and the world with cases growing mightily ever since, especially recently. One doctor who treats patients with Lyme disease also says that more recent patients infected with Lyme 
generally are also infected with other diseases carried by ticks, meaning that the ticks are more frequently co-infected with multiple bacteria that they're passing on to human beings. Jeez. Under Our Skin says that Lyme disease is unique in that the circumstances surrounding its care have been heavily impacted by some coincidences around the time it was discovered. So in 1980, the U.S. government passed a law allowing government agencies and educational institutions to patent, and therefore profit from, parts of living organisms. So like if you work at a university and you discover some new organism, the university can patent that organism or whatever you discovered, and then they can profit from research into that organism. So like if I discovered a new version of the tardigrade called the artigrad, right? You know, I could patent that thing and then use it to build like an army of artigrades and then, you know, I don't know, take over the world or something like that. Yeah, or in a sense they're indestructible, right? Tardigrades right. are indestructible, so it's like you know, my artigrades, I could build like badass artigrad armor and then like just take over the world and just uh like I could do that is what you're saying? Yeah, you that could would be okay do that. to do. That would be fine. Cool. And good to know <laughs> a lot of the way that this plays out is that, you know, in the, in, in the scientific community is that you discover something, you patent it, and then you get funding for research on that. And it's all directed to either you personally or to the university that employs you. Uh, and you know, if you know anything about scientific work, it's can be often hard to find funding for things because right. not everything is a designer cause. So this is a good way for people to ensure that they get a flow of cash because they're then the only place that can research this thing, basically. Right. Um, so there's that. Plus, there's things like uh, vaccine development, mm-hmm. which is something that will come up soon in this episode. So there's lots of different ways that people can get uh, either funding for research or make make money themselves off of patenting living organisms, which is so fucking weird to me. So... Lyme disease itself was first classified in 1981. Uh, Under Our Skin features commentary from the author of the, the author of the book the documentary is based on, Chris Newby, who claims because of the patent law, which happened just the year before Lyme disease was first classified, the race was then on for people to patent parts of the spirochete that causes Lyme so they could make big bucks. The result was that people who were experts in the disease did not share information lest they cut off a source of income for themselves. So... There's like research happening in silos where nobody's really sharing this information about we're not developing some kind of like cohesive response to Lyme disease, basically. So around the same time, health insurance companies started to understand that they could deny claims for treatment of diseases if the standards for care were written in certain ways. So if somebody interested in maintaining profits from a Lyme disease organism also writes the standards of care to specifically exclude treatments that would handle the part of the organism they profit from. Not only do they get to keep making money because insurance companies will deny care for the specific issues. The insurance companies also make money by not paying claims. So like you could be treated for Lyme disease, but if it's not within the standard of care recognized by the insurance company, they could deny all those claims and they pay you nothing. Um, Then of course uh, this established standard of care leads to an opinion at large in the medical community about how to treat Lyme disease, even if that approach is not holistic or very good. Right. So uh, the documentary goes on to show how the Infectious Diseases Society of America, or IDSA, 
Guidelines at the time did not even acknowledge long-term Lyme symptoms, basically saying that Lyme disease should be treated with a two-week course of antibiotics, and that's it. Hmm. Anything that happens after the fact is something not related to Lyme disease. The doc also points out that these standards are controlled by a handful of influential doctors, and the guidelines significantly rely on their own work to establish the science for Lyme treatment. So when they establish these standards of care, they cite a bunch of scientific literature that supports their conclusions. Over 50% of the works that were cited with those guidelines at the time, which was like 2006, was when IDSA really started taking heat for their Lyme disease guidelines. Over 50% of the things they cited were either written by the doctors who were already on the panel or by people that they worked with directly. Okay. So, in other words, they're not bringing in a lot of challenging opinions to what they already believe. Right. The IDSA guidelines that have changed somewhat since the doc came out, but still lack treatment guidelines for long-term Lyme that could last for years. The doc also shows how the IDSA guidelines have been used to get the licenses suspended of doctors who try to treat Lyme patients with long-term antibiotic use. Uh, So a lot of the ways that they treat long-term Lyme symptoms is by intravenous antibiotics delivered over the course of like months or years. And some doctors um, who they sometimes refer to as Lyme literate doctors Mm -hmm. are out here treating patients in this fashion. Well, then they get under scrutiny by allegedly insurance companies for their way that they handle their patient care. Cause it's not within the accepted standards of care by ITSA. So um, one physician in the film says he believes most of the complaints raised against Lyme disease doctors come from insurance companies, which are trying to limit their expenses because it's a lot cheaper to follow the ITSA guidelines for giving Lyme patients antibiotics for less than a month, as opposed to some of these Lyme disease doctors who treat their patients with intravenous antibiotics for years before they start to feel better. So that change in the guidelines is likely owned, owed in part to an investigation started by the Connecticut Attorney General shortly after the IDSA guidelines were released in 2006. The Connecticut Attorney General's office alleged anti-competitive practices in the issuance of the Lyme guidelines. Under Our Skin says that it's easy to make the case that the IDSA panel that created the guidelines has a conflict of interest. Six of the 14-member panel either hold personally or universities for which they work hold Patents related to Lyme disease or co-infections of Lyme. Four out of the 14-member panel have received funding for their work from manufacturers of test kits for Lyme disease or other co-infections. Four out of 14 were paid by insurance companies to either write Lyme policy guidelines or to serve as consultants in legal cases dealing with Lyme disease. And nine out of the 14-member panel have personally received or their universities have received Money from Lyme disease vaccine manufacturers. These people are in the pockets of Big Lyme. There's things happening with Big Lyme. Big Lyme is out there. Citrus. (laughs) They don't want you to get that sweet vitamin C. (laughs) The doc features prominently the work of Dr. Alan McDonald, uh, who was working to prove a link between Lyme disease and some of the more long-term chronic symptoms patients experience. Dr. McDonald is a pathologist, so he's a person who studies disease. Right. The general idea is that Lyme is caused by a spirochete, the same kind of bacteria that causes syphilis, the famous sexually transmitted infection. 
Untreated syphilis has been well documented to cause all kinds of long-term problems, similar to things experienced by Lyme disease sufferers. Dr. McDonald goes further, suggesting that there are currently four known neurological diseases for which there is no known cause or cure. Alzheimer's, ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, Parkinson's, and multiple sclerosis, which is so easy for me to say. So it's, it's in the same grouping as all those guys? What? Where we don't have a... There's, wait, what were you saying? So all four of those diseases... Mm-hmm. They're neurological conditions. There's no currently no known cause. They don't know what causes it, and they have no cure for it. Mm. So all of these diseases are basically terminal, uh, and they have no idea how people get them. Right. So Dr. McDonald is, and others, suggest that the Lyme disease spirochete could be responsible for all of those diseases. Oh. That people who develop things like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's may just be suffering from untreated Lyme disease the whole time. Like these spirochetes continue to persist and cause these uh, neurological problems. Uh, Dr. Dietrich Klinghart said his practice, which he's one of these Lyme literate doctors, has treated multiple patients with one of those four diseases. And over multiple years, not one patient with one of those diseases tested negative for Lyme disease. So 100% every person that comes into his practice who has Alzheimer's or ALS or multiple sclerosis or Parkinson's also tests positive for Lyme. Wow. Um, so Dr. McDonald eventually hypothesizes that the Lyme disease bacteria are causing the long-term effects due to being protected by a gel-like cover called a biofilm, which acts like a shield for the bacteria against treatment. Dr. McDonald explains that biofilms are known to be associated with chronic infectious diseases that are difficult to treat and are known to relapse, possibly bringing an end to all the controversy over Lyme disease. So the thing here is that not everybody gets a biofilm Lyme. Mm -hmm. Like some people, the spirochetes transfer to their body and they just exist on their own. Antibiotics clear it up in a relatively short period of time. It kills the bacteria. Some people have these biofilm spirochetes that get into their body and that stuff's resistant to the course of treatment that they do now, like the standards of care, those things are resistant to that treatment. So they often describe it as like they ran the course of treatment and sometimes people start to feel better, but then months or years later they sort of relapse. And it's like, how could that be if they haven't had more exposure to Lyme, if all Mm. of the spirochetes were killed, but the initial track of, um, antibiotics right so it's like these these spirochetes are sort of hiding in a way because they're protected by this biofilm so it's hard to see that they're there and it's hard to treat them um so in the book bitten um chris newby points out that in 1953 the biological warfare laboratories at fort detrick created a program investigating ways to spread anti anti-personnel agents via arthropods so insects crustaceans and spiders with the idea that slow acting agents wouldn't immediately incapacitate soldiers, but rather make the area dangerous for a long period of time. Now <clears throat> there's no definitive proof that Lyme disease was specifically used in any of these tests as a weapon. However, newbie points out that Willie Bergdorfer, the scientist who identified the bacteria causing Lyme disease, which now bears his name, Borrelia Bergdorfer, 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 Bergdorfer. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say. It is. Um, uh, there's no uh, Bergdorfer 
was involved in bioweapons programs during his time working with the armed forces. This claim is based, uh, and the claim that Bergdorfer makes, it comes from an interview where Bergdorfer basically says, yes, we created, we used Lyme disease as a bioweapon um, and that he helped develop Lyme disease as a weapon and that the ticks carrying the, the bacteria were accidentally released. Um, and something that's interesting to note here, at least I thought it was interesting, Willy Bergdorfer died in 2014 and he died due to complications from Parkinson's disease. Hmm? Whoa. So the ticks in which Bergdorfer first identified the spirochete that causes Lyme disease were from New York's Shelter Island, which is close to Plum Island, which has long been home to the U.S. government's Center for Animal Disease Studies. Plum Island was involved in studying diseases for potential use as bioweapons. Okay. Okay. And let's be real here. There is some precedent for claims for the claims made by newbie. For example, the U S army's Dugway proving ground, a military test facility in the U S state of Utah, which has been involved in chemical and biological warfare research has been used to test multiple versions of weaponized creepy crawlies in the 1950s. Dugway was home to tests for operation uh, for an operation called big itch, which involved weaponized fleas. The fleas weren't infected with diseases, but were dropped in cluster bombs to see if they would survive. I guess the idea here was that uh, they could go drop these bombs on America's enemies, and then all the people would get fleas all over themselves. Ooh, yucky. Um, are you feeling itchy thinking after, about all these fleas? Like hundreds of thousands of fleas crawling all over the ground? Oh, I'm feeling Bunk itchy. Bunkfunkers, are you feeling itchy thinking about that? Thinking about a carpet of fleas? Crawling all over your feet and up your legs and into the hair on your legs and then crawling into your crotch and then up to your chest and then all over your head. Can you feel the fleas crawling down your arms? Jesus Christ. Um, so Dugway was also home uh, to testing for Project Bellwether in the 1960s, which was testing weaponized mosquitoes that were infected with all kinds of inert diseases. These tests included releasing the mosquitoes on human volunteers quote unquote volunteers probably to see what would happen. The army previously experienced experimented with mosquitoes who had live infections. Those mosquitoes were also released on human subjects, causing more than 100 people to get infected with yellow fever and over 200 to get infected with dengue fever. Oh, wow. So good job. U S army. Dugway also has a history of making oopsies. Like in 1968, when planes flying over Dugway, accidentally released the deadly VX nerve toxin into the wind, causing it to get carried to nearby farmland and kill nearly 6,000 sheep. Oopsie daisies. But the army made it right. <laughs> they compensated the farmer for their sheep and lent them a bulldozer to bury all the sheep. Never <laughs> say the army won't make it right. Yeah. Dugway also got locked down in 2007 after they lost a vial of VX. Couldn't find it. Uh, a 2016 Department of Defense report found the brigadier general in charge of Dugway was not qualified to be a biosafety officer and oversee the operations at Dugway properly. The report cited multiple instances over a decade-long period where Dugway mistakenly shipped live anthrax to labs across the country, telling the labs the anthrax was dead and safe to handle without proper protective gear. So now, obviously, nobody's accusing Dugway of being the origination of Lyme disease. But I'm using that to illustrate the fact that the government has a track record of fucking stuff up. Right. So 
Um, while there's a lot of smoke here, skeptics say Lyme disease being a bioweapon doesn't make a lot of sense, considering that the bacteria that causes Lyme disease and the ticks that carry the bacteria have actually existed for a long time. Uh, if you recall, even Utsi the Iceman had Lyme disease, and that was he died over 5,000 years ago. Wow. So this is nothing new. It's not like this is a new thing that got developed. Um, there's also a timing issue with the weapons program cited by Newbie and the actual discovery of what causes Lyme disease. The program allegedly happened in 1953, yet the parasite that causes Lyme wasn't known until 1981. So how could it have been used as a bioweapon 30 years before it was discovered? Mm-hmm. Skeptics also say that Lyme disease is kind of a shitty bioweapon because some cases can be treated with basic medication and resolved quickly. Obviously, some people experience lingering issues, which can be very severe, but certainly not every case of Lyme disease develops that far. And ticks are not a natural choice to spread a bioweapon since they don't tend to thrive in urban areas where populations are most dense. Ticks are also slow to transmit the bacteria. Generally, ticks have to be attached for 36 hours to pass the bacteria to humans. Wow. So there's ample time for people to notice the tick and just brush it away. So, I mean, wow, fuck. The history of Lyme disease is way more mired in controversy than what I thought. And Lyme disease is well and truly an epidemic here. But I do have a solution. Mm. Mongooses. Mongooses? Mm-hmm. All right, listen up. The scooters? I, no, oh. the animal. Oh. Like, um... Timon from The Lion King. He's a meerkat. Oh, well. Similar. You mean Ricky Ticky Tavi. I don't know what that is. Is that, a, is that a mongoose? I think it might be the snake. Well, it's a mongoose. I recently saw a video of a pack of mongooses cleaning all the ticks off a warthog. And this warthog was fucking loving it. The mongooses got in there and did the job and got out of there quick. But this warthog started kneeling down so they could get better access. And then the warthog just flopped over on its side. Now, I don't know much about animal behavior, and maybe this was the warthog's way of asking for a happy ending. But either way, I think we should release millions of mongooses into wooded areas all over the world, and that all humans should let mongooses clean their bodies after they've been outside. Hmm. As far as I can see, there are literally no downsides to this plan. No, it makes sense to me. There are, however, major downsides to the U.S. government accidentally releasing bacteria-infected ticks on the U.S. population as part of a biological weapons testing mistake. As hard as it is to believe that America's government and armed forces could act so recklessly, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Now, I rarely do stuff like this, but here's an actual PSA. If you live in areas where Lyme disease is prevalent, which is basically the entire East Coast, Southeast, Midwest, and West Coast, and you plan on going out into the woods or near wooded areas, there are some things you can do to protect yourself from tick bites. Mm. Use insect repellent. That's a big one. Wear long pants and sleeves. And make sure that it's light-colored clothing. That'll be easier to spot ticks on your body. It's also a good idea to tuck your pant legs into your socks, making it harder for ticks to get into your pants. Take a shower after coming home from wooded areas. And put your clothes you wore in the dryer. When you get home, throw them in the dryer. That'll kill the ticks. Oh. And last but certainly not least, always check yourself thoroughly after being in the woods. Despite all those precautions, you might still find that you have an unexpected hitchhiker. As you scan your naked body in the mirror, you could find it under your arm, nestled in your armpit, or perhaps lodged in your butt crack. The whole enchilada.
Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes, and luckily, that's how long it takes me to tell a story. My name is Aaron Calafato, and I'm the creator of 7-Minute Stories. I'm proud to partner with Evergreen Podcasts, and I'd like to invite you to join me on this journey. I'm going to take you on some crazy roller coaster rides using my unique extemporaneous storytelling style, and together, we're going to try to make sense of the world, all through the art of storytelling, and all in approximately seven minutes. Oh, welcome back. Oh, man. Beefers. Did that scratch that itch? That itch you're getting from the bugs crawling all over your skin? Come on. This is scary stuff, man. This is scary stuff. This is it's terrifying. I just want to go for a walk in the woods. Now you're going to make me fucking freak out. Well, you know, I, I got to be honest with you. Watching this, I was like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. How many times do I walk around outside and I don't even like think about getting a tick? And uh, well, you don't walk in the woods. You, that's you true. famously hate camping. That's true. I do hate the outdoors and the wilderness and any place that doesn't have a path for my motorized mobility scooter, my nuclear powered mobility scooter. <laughs> <laughs> um, but all right, they I saw this guy like a researcher in the documentary in Under Our Skin. He's walking along like a trail. And he's got like a white piece of felt with two sticks. Like, so it's, it's like just a white piece of felt, like a rectangular piece of felt. And he's just dragging it along the, the plants next to the trail. And what he's trying to do is to get ticks to attach to it. And he's just walking along, like not, at, not at a fast pace, but like not super slow either. And he pulls this thing up and there's ticks all over it. Holy fuck. Like, I'm not talking hundreds of ticks, but it's like, you know, he lifts it up and it's like, there's two ticks. It's like, it's happened so fast. And these are like little tiny, you know, ticks. These aren't like huge fat fucking ticks. These are like just little small ticks and they jump on it so fast. And then it's like, I don't know. It happened so fast. So unexpectedly. I know. Now I'm starting to think if I ever got fucking bit by a tick. I'm sure I have. You're sure you have? Almost positive that I've gotten bit by a tick. But you know, it's like, it also, this kind of like, it takes a long time for, um, you know, the ticks to pass this in most cases. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got it like, so the tick has to be on you for a little bit of time. So it's like, probably if you shower really good and you check yourself, you'd probably be fine. But, um, you know, there's a lot of people that live in the Northeast uh, that have described it as like everybody has Lyme disease. Like nobody, nobody, nobody lives anywhere where they don't know somebody who has 
or had Lyme disease. Jesus Christ. Like the, you know, they showed like all these maps of like reported cases of Lyme disease. And it's like represented by little blue dots on the map. And you can see like 20 years ago, there's a spattering of blue dots. Like the Northeast has a lot. And it's like over the last 20 years, it just like (laughs) the whole Northeast becomes like blue because there's so many reported cases. And there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a pretty, I don't know. I think common explanation for this is kind of, it's kind of like there's multiple parts to it. Number one is reforestation. Mm. So we're getting to the point in the USA where people are starting to say like, we need to plant more trees and stuff. Right. So they're bringing back more wooded areas, but human development goes on unabated. So people live very close now to these wooded areas where before they didn't. So like people keep moving further away from cities and they get more into the woods. So there's just like more people exposed to wooded areas. But then you also have this dual thing of climate change where on average the Northeast is warmer, meaning that the tick life cycle, like ticks don't survive cold weather. So they all die in the winter. Yeah. But when the weather's warmer for longer, they have like more opportunities to breed. So the populations of ticks are like exploding. There's like huge numbers of ticks. I got to imagine too, the diagnoses have changed as well. Yeah. The treatment. Medical term. Yeah. The diagnoses, the treatment. Diagnosi. They're learning more about Lyme disease. Well, it's like, think about like ADHD or even autism, right? It's like back in the seventies, those weren't really things. And then now it's become more of a common diagnosis where it's like, okay, we understand that these symptoms are not just, whatever or you know what yeah. i'm saying and recently the um i think it was the cdc they estimated that like annual cases of lyme were like 30,000 this happened in europe yeah it's happening in europe it's happening in south america it happens on every continent except antarctica it's the place to be yeah antarctica is the best place to go fuck frankly this is scary stuff dude this like, is not ev- funny everybody everywhere gets lyme disease because ticks are everywhere it's a terrifying thing i mean even utsi had it so, like, they've done some research into even the... Even Ootsie. Even Ootsie had Lyme disease. Fucking invincible Ootsie with his badass bronze axe. Is he invincible? He got murdered. Hunk of a man, Ootsie the Ice He man. was a hunk. <laughs> um, certified Chad. Certified fucking Chad. Sigma male. Uh, yeah. Now, now that is all true about Ootsie. But they've done some research into the evolution of this um, Borrelia bacteria, the Bergdorferi yeah. bacteria. And there are like cases of, you know, they've gone back and like looked at historical cases. There's cases of Lyme disease dating back to like, like documented cases, like in the 1700s, 1600s in the United States. That's what I was thinking about. Is like how many people fucking died from Lyme disease, but they had no clue that it was Lyme disease that's, back in the day. That's really the thing. These motherfuckers were out in the woods all goddamn day. They didn't have fucking nice pants that tucked into socks. They were wearing like cotton wool slacks. Well, and even, you know, like even in the 1950s, you think about it, they didn't know what Lyme disease was. So people were getting sick from stuff. They just didn't have a clue what was wrong with them, you know, or they assign it to some other thing. Like a lot of these patients in the documentary talk about, they go to doc, they go to a bunch of different doctors and every doctor tells them they have something different and no doctor tells them you have Lyme disease. God, it's like, 
it's like a that's like a cosmic fucking horror. Like I'm not trying to even make light of this situation. It's like the horror of yeah. that scenario is. Can just you imagine like having this disease? Awful. I where you're feel suffering so fucking bad. Like you have neurological symptoms. Where, oh god. Because like people are developing like ticks or they, and I don't mean like the 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 arachnid. Yes. I mean, yes. You're developing the, like like they motor functions that you can't control. Like yeah, they like they blink, they move their mouth, they can't, they like. They show there's one one woman in the in the documentary that features prominently. Her name is Mandy. Like she does this thing where she's holding like her fingers in weird ways. Like her you're, hands, you're making Spider Man. Yeah, it's like some your of fingers. hers look like Spider Man and stuff. But like you see her all the time in these things when she's like having an episode related to Lyme where that's like her fingers are just like locked. This or is like, I mean this is what I'm talking about. This is like a horror. It's just like because you want to believe what. The medical community is telling you, but then there are these cases where there's these people who are like, no one fucking believes me what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. that's another, I, I saw part of that documentary too. There's a documentary out there where like with people with weird, rare diseases that nobody knows how to treat. And they're like, the symptoms are just like chronic pain. Like that's even a disease, chronic pain. Mm -hmm. It's like, we don't know what's causing this, but you're saying you're in pain, but then I don't know what to do. And then it's just like, I don't know what to tell you. We think it's maybe psychosomatic. So then you're like, oh, you're telling me I'm crazy. So it's right. like, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, and it's kind of funny. Like, I do appreciate the plight of well-meaning of well-meaning doctors. Socks, because you know it could be hard to treat some of this stuff. And if you don't, yeah, I'm not blaming the doctors either. I don't, I yeah. don't envy their job. I think that it's a how hard is it to be a fucking doctor? It's like, an uphill battle. This documentary really reinforced for me like something that I already knew. It's so fucking hard to be a doctor because like. I feel like these doctors take the heat no matter what. And I guess, you know, we should hold doctors to a high standard, but it's like, you got to know so much fucking shit. Like how, how could you as a doctor, like you put yourself in the shoes of a practicing, like general physician and you have somebody come in with all these weird symptoms. Like you're going to probably be thinking about like, what am I seeing a lot of right now? Well, I mean, they, they have methods that they go through, right? Like right. most doctors, you know, you okay, let's treat, this first let's try this try this thing see how it works see how it reacts see what happens you know it's like me i got allergies i mean again not comparing it to lyme disease but it's like allergies okay what's called all right lyme? we know you have allergies <laughs> jesus let us feel bad for you well you know what i mean yeah, you've got like, it just as bad as people who have parkinson's we yeah get it i'm on the same level <laughs> no but it's like it's it's you know it's like okay they try this okay that works for a little mm -hmm. while then you get off it what happens okay then you try this then you try that and it's like you reach a certain level level where they're like, listen, either you get rid of what's you either put yourself out of the scenario that's causing the allergies or we try immunotherapy with you. That's mm -hmm. your last fucking resort. <clears throat> so it's it's the same progress, right? They go yeah. through the same. And it's like they like a lawyer. It's like, what did you do in the past? What cases did they build in the past? What arguments were made? What evidence is there? You research, you put it forward, you try it out. Yeah, and that's the thing with Lyme disease. It's hard. Is, is there's not a lot of like diagnostic testing that you can do. Like this is why it's so Yeah, these symptoms tricky. are crazy, dude. The symptoms the symptoms initially are pretty generic. And like the easiest thing to tell is if they get that rash. Cuz a lot of times it shows up it's like a big round red rash and it looks like a bullseye. And that's like, you know, in the center is where the tick bites you. And it's like that that makes it pretty easy to say like Hey, have you been out in the woods? Did you get bit by a tick? But like some people come in and they're just like, I have a headache. I'm tired. I feel nauseous. And it's like, okay. Like the, as a doctor, would you be like, would you normally go, 
hey, have you been out in the woods? You know, like you might, that might not be the first place your mind goes, which is really the only thing that you can kind of ask them is like, is it possible that you've been bit by a tick recently? Yeah, I mean. And then how does people answer that question? Like, Fuck this, dude, because now I'm freaking out about <laughs> all the walking in the woods that I did. Yeah, you're fucked, dude. Last fucking year. <laughs> you're fucked. You have Lyme disease. God. But um, I don't know if I ever finished this thought. Yeah, go C- ahead. The CDC was estimating like, this has happened a couple years ago. The CDC estimated that like Lyme cases were like 30,000. And then they had to revise that and say like, oh, actually, it's more like 300,000 per year of new new infected Lyme patients. God. So like you think about those numbers, it's a huge number. Yeah. 300,000. But a, a per decent, more than half of a percentage of that get treated and can recover from it with the antibiotics, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not like, it's not like everybody who gets Lyme disease develops these long-term neurological symptoms. It's like, if people if people are aware, like they find a tick, they start to feel bad soon thereafter. They go to the doctor. The doctor knows what to do. Like they they like say this. You know, there's like some of the older patients, like patients who originally like got infected like 20 years ago or more. Yeah. Like they have one guy that features in the documentary a lot. He's a former park ranger. And he started having these symptoms. He went to a doctor. He brought he found the tick on his body. He brought the tick to the doctor. And the doctor was like, "You don't have Lyme disease." Like the doctor just like flat out told him like, you don't have Lyme without, but then he did right. Then he did. And he had like long-term, like, I don't know. A lot of these people, their stories are so fucking sad. Like, let me, let me take a detour for a minute and talk about how sad some of these fucking stories are from this documentary. So this guy, this park ranger, um, and I'll, I'll say this too. So there's under our skin. And that was the original thing that came out in like 2000 late, like 2010 ish around there. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly. And then there was one that just came out recently called uh, Under Our Skin 2, the reskinning. Twice uh, bitten. Twice bitten, one shy. One shy, baby. Um, And so they do, like, the original doc is, like, very long. It's, like, almost two hours. And then the second one is much shorter. It's, like, half that time. And uh, it's kind of just a follow-up to the original one to talk about, like, all the things that have happened in the time since. So... Uh, the park ranger, he's like, he's got, a, he's got children. He's got a family, um, you know, because of like Lyme disease, like he lost a lot of his like ability, like his cognitive function declined. So like he, you know, apparently it cost him his marriage. Uh, his wife divorced him and his kids, he doesn't have like, they moved away. Jeez. So he doesn't see them very often. Um, this woman, Mandy, she was recently married to her husband, Sean, when she started like first having these Lyme disease, long-term Lyme symptoms. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of the documentary, their first one is about like their struggle dealing with this as kind of newlyweds. So by the time the second one comes out, they've divorced. Uh, so their marriage broke up because I guess Sean couldn't handle it anymore. Stress of dealing with a chronic Lyme patient. Um, Cause he talks a lot in the first one about like how, Oh, this isn't how I pictured my life being. And like, this really takes a lot of effort from us. Hey, you having Lyme disease really fucking sucks. And dude. she's like, well, how do you think I feel? <laughs> I was like, Oh God, <laughs> Sean, shut up, shut the fuck up. You're only digging this hole deeper. You're not going <laughs> to dig out of this with a shovel, buddy. 
Um, they talk about um, like two doctors who are Lyme literate. Actually, there's three three doctors that really jump to my mind who are Lyme Lyme literate. Um, one of them at the that means they don't believe in Lyme. No, they're like they're like the rogue doctors that are treating long term Lyme. They love Lyme. Okay. They love they hate Lyme. They want to eradicate it. Right. But they actually are trying to say like we believe that there's chronic Lyme disease symptoms and that can be treated with antibiotics and other op, op, treatment options. And are the treatment options working? Yeah. There's a there's a sizable body of work that they've done that's shown to be effective. Mm. Um, you know, I think the thing is that science doesn't seem to really want to, again, it gets back to this conflict of interest thing. Science doesn't seem to really want to invest in like looking at that and deciding like, is the work that they're doing valuable or is it just coincidental? Because mm-hmm. that's the real question is like, are they... Are they putting patients at danger by just giving them antibiotics for years and years and years? Is that a dangerous thing? It depends on who you ask. Some people say, yeah, that you shouldn't be on antibiotics for that long. Um, But then other people are on it, you know, like the park ranger. He's like, you go to most doctors, they'll tell you that it's too long to be on antibiotics. I've been on them for two years and I feel better than ever. Mm. Like I'm healthier than I've been in years. So... It's it's very murky because there's not because they won't they don't there's not like a lot of established scientific research into it. Uh but so there's like this one doctor, Dr. Jemsek, who at the time was practicing in North Carolina. He had a complaint filed against him. Um apparently uh he goes to this review board. They show this in the movie, the medical review board. They suspend his license for a year because they basically say like he didn't demonstrate that he was treating within the like standards of care for Lyme disease or like that they, these patients had a bona fide need to be treated the way that he was treating them. So they suspended his license for a year, but he was also still allowed to practice. I don't understand the distinction between like what happened, but at the end of the day, like it, he had to close his practice. Um, and like he went bankrupt because of that. Uh, but then by the time the second movie comes around, he's like established a new practice hmm. in Washington. Um, there's also another doctor that was in, um, fuck, somewhere in the Northeast. I don't remember where. But this guy is like, he was like a pediatrician, mm-hmm. um, Dr. Uh, Jones. And he's like the child Lyme expert. So like he treats, he's treated like, thousands of children who have Lyme disease because like kids get sick from Lyme and they're children and still experiencing these chronic Lyme symptoms. So like, you know, you're like 10 years old and you're already like, you're, it looks like you might have Parkinson's or something. Right. Uh, so he's treated like thousands of patients. Uh, he's dad dead now. He died, uh, cause he's very old. And, um, you know, he's also like for years and years and years, being like pursued by his state's medical board um, for like quackery. And, you know, he, Jesus Christ. he said like all the money that he makes from his practice basically goes to his legal defense. Like it's cost him like over a million dollars over the course of like multiple years. Oh um, um, and then uh, the other doctor is like this guy that was in New York who the park ranger was seeing. And that doctor closed his practice too, because, you know, he just like keeps getting threatened by the medical board that they're going to shut him down. Um, so he closed his practice and then he does like advocacy work for Lyme patients now. 
And then there's Dr. McDonald, the guy that was the pathologist um, who is the person that's trying to establish the link between the spirochete that causes Lyme disease and all these other and diseases. Like syphilis, like trying to say like, okay, like there's a connection between Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, MS, and ALS all due to, to this Lyme spirochete. So at the end of the first movie, they fucking, they drop the hammer because they do this at the end of the first movie. They have like a, where are they now kind of a thing? Yeah. Where it's like, since we stopped shooting, like here's a picture of this person and here's some text about what's happening to them now. Mm-hmm. And so most of them are pretty innocuous. Um, it's like, oh, Mandy's, Mandy continues to fight Lyme disease. Mandy's fighting day. Lyme disease. Her she's and like, Sean are in therapy. She's two months yeah. into, tre- two years into treatment or something. Right, right, like right, one, right. Two months into treatment or whatever. Well, it gets to Dr. McDonald and it's like, Dr. McDonald developed a form of Alzheimer's disease. He now remembers none of his previous work. Jesus and I was like, Christ. what the fuck? Jesus Christ. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I start Googling. I'm like, is this real? What the fuck happened? I can't find anything about it. So I go to watch. I'm like, well, now I'm hooked. I got to like find out. I go to the, I go to, I go to watch under our skin too. What happened was he's like in the movie and he's talking. I'm like, what the fuck? How can he talk like this? He's supposed to have Alzheimer's. He got diagnosed with some form of, of uh, dementia. Mm. Like, uh, like before they pr- put out the first movie, he was like diagnosed with this and he had like memory loss issues for like two years and then it just went away. So then he started working again. So he's back working as a pathologist. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck is, cause he's like talking. He's like, I assume that I got Alzheimer's from handling these spirochetes. Cause he like, he, yeah. he like doesn't, he did like a lot of this work. This wasn't funded work by anybody. He was doing it. Like he has a home lab, right. which is very weird. He has a lab in his basement. It's very bizarre. I don't know how he's handling deadly he's diseases, got fucking, like a little mini, a mini fridge full of fucking spirochetes from Lyme disease. Like, I don't know. I don't know how safe any of this is or how up to code. Like maybe he shouldn't have appeared on camera like that, but um, yeah, he's doing all this work in his basement. He's like, well, I assume I got like, you know, I got infected or I got contaminated by one of these bacteria, you know, and that's probably what caused the memory loss. issue. And then it just goes away. So now he's fine. What did he do to treat himself? I, nothing. Same thing that anyone does with yeah, dementia. Yeah, like it just he was like, you know, it just didn't they didn't do anything like, you know, it's just like it went away. That's fucking insane. Blew my mind though. But that's that's really that has nothing to do with anything about Lyme disease. That's yeah, just, it's just a tangent. It's just a personal thing. I don't know, man. This stuff fucking freaks me out. It's really scary. It's scarier than any topic we've ever discussed, I think, <laughs> um, because it's very real and it's very achievable. You could very easily go get bit by a tick. You uh, and I live in Illinois. This is a prime place to get bit by ticks. Mm-hmm. Um, I played oh, in many a forest when I was a child. And I forgot one I forgot one key component to um, the, spread You're a tick. Of, the spread of line. I am a tick. Now let me suck that blood. <laughs> Art, go over there. Let me suck your blood. Let me suck your blood. Come on, sit on my lap. Let me suck your blood a little bit. No, it's deer. Right. Deer are part of the problem. Fuck deers. Because there are a lot of restrictions in most places about how often you can hunt deer. Uh, And so deer populations are running wild at this point. Like, there's so many fucking deer in this country. And ticks love deer. Love them. So... The ticks, you know, they they get on the deer. The deer might have this bacteria. The ticks get the bacteria. 
and then the ticks spread to humans, you know, it's just, or like the deer get infected with it. Like, but it's, there's so many deer. It's like when you combine the reforestation and, you know, humans living closer to wooded areas and all this stuff, like, and then these deer, like it's easy for ticks to get around because deer move a lot faster than a tick will. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. You live in a fucking city your whole life where you don't have to deal with ticks, but you have to deal with all the other bullshit. Yeah. Then you want to get away from Would you rather while. get carjacked, though, or get Lyme disease? I'd rather get carjacked. I guess so. If I had to choose. <laughs> I mean, I know the carjacking they can't cure with antibiotics, but yeah. at the end of the day, I have car insurance. What the fuck do I care? Take my car. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Yeah, you want this fucking thing? You want this fucking piece of shit? It's yours. I don't know. Yeah, this is fucking terrifying, man. I mean, it's just like this medical stuff. I mean, we've covered other medical topics, you know, it's like we covered famously cancer research where we, Mm -hmm. there's all these like, you look at them and you're like, I think I'll be honest with you. I think a lot about this, the way that I think about cancer. Okay. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, cause you know, cancer, cancer is one of those things that has a lot of different iterations. Right. And so there's tons of different standards of care for different types of cancer. Mm-hmm. Cause it's not like early stage prostate cancer, very treatable, right? Pancreatic cancer, very bad, right? Like some, some cancers, even at the early stages are not very treatable, right? Like it's hard to deal with. Right. Uh, and some cancers at the early stage, super easy to deal with. And right. like they can, they, they know now like easy detection methods and they can, with a high degree of probability, like see to it that you don't really get cancer ever again. Right. Right. Um, and I think t- Lyme disease to me, you know, it, it's that same thing where it's, it's like a weird cancer almost, you know, you might find out in X amount of years, you know what, actually there's different kinds of Lyme disease and it <laughs> keeps on different stages and forms. I don't know. Well, I think, you know, one of the doctors in the, in the film made a good point that it's like ticks can carry more than one thing. And mm-hmm. if they see, if patients come in with like multiple issues, like it might be hard to like peel all that back and like make sure that you're treating each one of those things the best possible way because it's like a big old knot, right? Like you, you, you do have to kind of unwind it. So like if ticks are populations are exploding, they're more diseased than ever. They're getting around easier than ever. And they're infecting more people than ever. It's like, it's, it's kind of a perfect storm for, a, an epidemic, Jesus. a Lyme disease epidemic. So Lyme itself is bad, but then when you start talking about the standards of care, I'm kind of suspicious of these doctors. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know. That's just, there's a lot of conflicts of interest there. I'd never thought of this before. I'd never considered the fact that people could make money from research and then, oh, well they, you know, they don't want to like uh, necessarily um, acknowledge long-term chronic Lyme disease because they don't have any skin in that game. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's only so much you can do, but yeah. you should always background check your doctors for sure, which you can do with open certain open resources that are available to you online to um, see what kind of research your doctor is putting out there. See what kind of things they've been paid to talk about. See what kind of drugs that have, what kind of drug reps have come to their office. Now, Drug rep comes, buys everybody lunch. Maybe not a big deal. Drug rep comes, pays your doctor thousands of dollars to give some bogus talk on bullshit research for some fucking drug. Mm-hmm. That's up to you. Maybe you don't want to use that doctor. I'm not telling you what to do, but yeah, you know, 
Yeah, the uh, there's a lot of bullshit out there, man. Well, and one of the things that fucking um, healthcare sucks. Healthcare, fucking yeah, sucks. Healthcare in the United States is such a disaster. I, I mean, it is a disaster in the U.S. that we can speak to, but honestly, I just feel like it's a unfathomable thing, even in other countries, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's so great that we live in the United States, where you can, you literally can get probably the best available healthcare for pretty much anything. Like, it's just going to cost you like. It, an insane amount of money. Well, that's the thing is like with Lyme disease, like insurance companies can just flat out deny claims because they say, well, right. this is not part of the, like our guidelines for how a doc, like why should, why would it Your insurance- doctor went outside the, it's like the treatments. And it's so, so crazy that we, that we let stuff. insurance companies decide how we should be treated for diseases. Like, I mean, I get it that they retain doctors. I'm using air quotes B first. Yeah. That they retain doctors to like help guide them on this. But it's like, how do we know that their policy on any specific treatment thing is like justified? And if your doctor just flat out says like, no, like your insurance company's wrong on this, like it kind of doesn't matter because the insurance company will just say, well, we're not going to pay the claim. And then you're stuck with the bill. And, you know, for people that have intravenous, a year's worth of intravenous um, antibiotics, like, you know, a lot of people in the documentary talk about like this costs them tens of thousands of dollars upwards of like uh, yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars just to to treat themselves. Jeez. Just fucking eat me, tick. Yeah, just, just yeah. it's honestly <laughs> so much quicker and so yeah, much easier. Just eat my entire body. Just fucking chop my head off, please, and eat it. Use my body as a tick cave. Did you know that ticks aren't insects? Isn't that They're weird? Humans. <laughs> Tiny little humans. They're humans. Like what Ian, are they? Like Ian Hamilton. What are they? Uh, they're um, anthropods. Wait, like you said the, in the script. Yeah. What's the term? Arthropods. Arthropods. Anthropods. Like what a spider is. A tick is a, uh, a. It's a. It's an arachnid. It's an arachnid. Yeah. Yeah, because they got six little legs, right? Yeah. So. Do bugs freak you out? They probably should now. I'm fucking scared of ticks now. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. The next time I'm going to go walk in the fucking forest preserve, I'm going to wear like high ass fucking socks and like long pants because I'm freaked out about ticks. Bugs kind of don't freak me out that much. Um, yeah. Like, you know, like maggots. Do maggots freak you out? Like people are so disgusted by maggots and I'm kind of like, what's disgusting about them? They can't really do anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. They're, they're a sign of gross stuff. I don't, I'm not saying that I want to be surrounded by maggots, but like if my garbage can gets gross and there's maggots in it, which has happened. It's a normal thing. Just clean out the garbage can. You know, once... They're very easy to kill. You know, here's a gross story. Once I had... Yeah, a, just throw it on. This fucking topic sucks. It's fucking terrifying and it's bleak as shit. Yeah, here, let me tell you... Throw this, some gross shit on it, throw, Andy. Let me throw a disgusting story from my personal life. Jesus Christ. So I used to have this trash can that had like an automatic lid. Your favorite trash can. Oh, you've told this before. You know that one where you like you like hold your hand over and it... So like we had we had a really bad problem with gnats yeah. at the time. And I did like I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was like I was I was at my wits end. Like we didn't have rotten fruit or anything like that, you know, because sometimes like bananas kind of go like, you know, they get a little brown and they go bananas. And that one that's like sitting on the, the counter might get like too much weight on it and it gets a little like mushy. And but we didn't have any of that happening. And I put out like, you know. Uh, two liter bottles where you cut off the top and you invert it and you put like vinegar in the bottom to draw the, the Works nets. Works great. 
It's awesome. It works great. These, like, but you I, weren't stopping it at the source. I had two of them in the kitchen, and they just kept getting gnats in there. Like every day, there were more gnats. So it was obviously there wasn't just some gnats that had like wound up in there, and like they were coming from somewhere. I couldn't figure it out. Well, finally, the uh, the automatic lid on the trash can stopped working, and so I needed to change the batteries in it because it ran on like two C or D batteries or whatever. And I pop open the battery drawer and it's just crawling with bugs. Like there's maggots all over these batteries. Like they've corroded the batteries. Uh, and that's where the, that's where the gnats were coming from. They built this nest in the battery compartment of uh, my trash can. You allowed bugs to become radioactive. Yeah, they could I did. Have mixed with the chemicals in the battery and you would have had some kind of weird super fucking it's such a weird thing to throw out a trash can. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, you think the other trash cans feel bad for the trash can? I just, it's weird. It's like, I'm gonna put I put this inside of things, this. I turned the thing that holds trash into trash. So I'm assuming you just threw the whole fucking thing out. Oh, I wasn't going to deal with anything else. What's the point? Well, then you got smart and you went and got a the best trash can. I got a simple human trash can. Which is the greatest trash can probably ever. You know, Beefers, if you're out there, I mean. You never realized how many problems your trash can had until you went and got the world's greatest trash can. I got to tell you, I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know that I could spend this much on a trash can. $200 on a trash can. It's worth it. It's so fucking worth find, it. Find a simple human trash can that you like and works really good in your They're nuts, where, where you need it. Like you will love it. It's it's actually fucking insane. They're so well designed, thoughtful. Yeah, this is unsponsored. This is not sponsored. This the simp- liner pops out really nice. So you can oh actually get at the trash. You know, the only thing that's a little bit annoying is that I have right now like a very specialized trash can because I have a very specific space where I'm fitting my trash in. Right. Right. You showed me that. And so it's like regular trash bags don't really fit. You tried to shove me in there, actually, when I came over. I yeah, and I'll do it, it again. I'll and you were like, get in there, get in there. I was like, no, I'm, I see it, Andy. You're like, yeah, get in the trash. Get, get in the, in the trash. trash, trashy. Next time I'm going to show you my fucking toilet, dweeb. <laughs> um, but but not, yeah, you have to have you a gotta buy. Specific. I got to buy the specific, like, simple human bags. And oh, they're really? hard to find. Nothing else fits right. Oh, fuck. And I've heard, you know, it's like you can go on Amazon. Yeah, those are overpriced. And it's like, hey, on Amazon, like, here's this, like, we made the bag that fits this kind of trash can. Mm -hmm. And then it's like all the reviews are like, no, it doesn't. (laughs) It's too small. (laughs) So that's the only annoying thing. Yeah. But that's a minor thing. Trash can's so worth it. This this podcast is not sponsored by Simple Human, but But beloved by Simple Human. Um, So Lyme disease fucking sucks. Right. It's horrible. And it is kind of scary. Um, what do you think about it as a bioweapon? Um, Good candidate, bad candidate. I think probably what do you look for in a bioweapon. What do I look for in a bioweapon? I don't know. Something that can boil down our personalities into a, something that's interjectable would probably be good. You know, I do kind of feel like with bioweapons, you probably like diseases maybe aren't the like greatest thing. Like it depends. Like, I kind of feel like, um, you know, like nerve toxin and shit. Like, that's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff like. Yeah, like mustard gas. Yeah, like stuff that's. Agent Orange. Right. 
that's the kind of stuff that like I think fast for, acting. Yeah, it, this is very slow. This does not feel very bioweapony because it is so slow. It's slow. Um, you know, there was some some thought that like, oh, this could have been a attempt by the government to make something that people like that they could do clandestinely. Right. You know, like drop drop ticks. a crate of ticks in I don't know somewhere where they don't like the people. Which for the United States, that's mostly everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so drop the ticks somewhere, like drop it on Afghanistan, a few crates of ticks, and like the ticks go out and they make everybody sick. And in ten to fifteen years, and it's like we're not at war with them or anything. It's just like oh, you know, a few years later, like tons of people have these long-term neurological problems related to Lyme disease, right? But. It also is true that Lyme disease exists in a lot of parts of the world already. So, like, why would we think that nobody would be able to treat it? Well, and the fact that, like, people like Utsi and stuff got tested for this stuff previously and they had it is, like, kind of telling that, like, it is a naturally occurring thing that we can't figure out. It's very I think old. the idea of the research of it being linked to all these other neurological disorders, like, that seems kind of fucking smart. It's pretty fascinating, and I got to tell you, if you do watch Under Our Skin, like, the parts with Dr. Uh, Alan McDonald in it are, like, pretty, I don't know, it it had me going, I got to say. Like, I'm kind of like, that's, they should look into that more. Yeah. Because he, he basically, he sets it up in such a way that it's like, okay, we know it's a spirochete. Mm-hmm. What else is a spirochete? Syphilis. I've got this, he's like, I've got this whole old book. Like, they've known about syphilis for ages and like syphilis is super well documented he's got this old medical book that talks about like all the complications related to syphilis and he's like i'm looking through this book it's like it reads like symptoms of people with chronic lyme yeah so it's like i don't know the leap to go from hey these two like bacteria are sort of the same thing um and maybe they cause similar outcomes I don't think it's that big of a leap to make. And then somebody else brings up like, Hey, what if we find out that Lyme disease is sexually transmitted? It's kind of a game changer too. Cause like that makes it way more like, I don't know, transmissible, right? Yeah. Like to think that you could, you could meet somebody who has Lyme may not even know it. And then you get Lyme disease from being sexual with that person. I mean, you could be eating ass and next thing you know, you got Lyme disease. Well, that's why I don't, you know, that's what I, I mean, that's why I don't hook up with anybody. It's, and it's for no other reason other than that. I'm just really afraid of Lyme disease. And, and that's why, you know, I mean, it's just, that's why, you know, it's, it's just, uh, I have to go through other channels like paying people. It's probably safer that way. You know, with Lyme being so rampant in this country, (laughs) it's probably a good time for all of us to transition to paid sex. Where the sex workers are, <laughs> will make love to you in a safe yep. environment, mm-hmm. lime-free environment, and I can, you know, to ask them to check themselves for ticks. Right? Maybe um, you, maybe you could check your partner for ticks. That's right. It's um, a fun bonding experience. God, I mean, Jesus Christ, I. Uh, yeah, I'm, next time I go into the fucking forest preserve, I am not going to mess around. You know, and I'll say, I feel like this bioweapon stuff is kind of a little flimsy on this. To be honest with you, yeah, like. The government has a a good history of like trying to obviously like of messing around with bioweapons. Use bugs and animals as like weapons of of war. Um 
First topic we ever covered, MK Ultra. Yeah, but in this in this case, you know, the Willy Bergdorfer who discovered the bacteria. He gave this interview where he says this thing about like, yeah, I did this. It was like toward the end of his life. And some people sort of make the raise the concern that he may not have been in complete control of his mental faculties Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, And so may have just said this and he's never like, there's no documented history of this or, you know, he's never said it other times. So it's like really one, one offhand, like, thing that everyone bases this on and then it's just the rest of it is just speculation basically because of like here's the things the government did do maybe they did Lyme disease too right the timing kind of doesn't make sense I think as usual like the real thing that got me was was all these conflicts of interest it's like sometimes the fantastical stuff is not as like I don't know it overshadows the true Stuff, it's, which is a little bit more mundane, but still is nefarious. It's sort of like if the government did accidentally release Lyme disease as a bioweapon, do I give a fuck? Like, yeah, I guess I give a fuck. But like at the same time, isn't it more important that we like actually figure out how to treat Lyme disease effectively? Right, and get rid of all these shitty diseases. Right. Like, would it be better? Like, even if they were like, ah, shit, we accidentally released Lyme disease into the into our population of mm-hmm. of citizens like it would be like okay well shouldn't we at least fix it now like instead right. of um where'd all that ice bucket money go yeah where's our <laughs> als money god damn it all went to satan it all went to satan um yeah i mean you're right it's it's again it's like that's why it's it's weird it's it's i don't know man it it's almost like i don't know what the fucking say i'm like speechless to be honest because we did, we do topics like the cancer research one where we say like, you know what, this stuff is hokey, this like eating stone fruits and these fucking coffee enemas, all this bullshit. And like, again, to a degree, yes, that is stupid and it's bullshit, but it's like, you know, we should be trying to consider a full range of possibilities, right? In, in sort of the scientific method. Then you look at stuff like this Lyme disease stuff. Now, I don't think that maybe that's the best example because it's not yeah. like these people are like... I went to this doc and my insurance won't cover me getting a fucking a fucking uh kale smoothie enema every fucking day to treat my Lyme disease. Right. It's like they're not doing that. They're just saying, Hey, I'm gonna pump you full of antibiotics, which again is not recommended, but in this case, it's working. Right. And you're still okay. So let's fucking keep trying it. I mean, when you're in palliative care towards the end of your life, they throw all that shit out the window. Everything goes out the window. They fucking just they basically if you're in hospice, you get hooked up to High grade fucking heroin. Yeah, for the rest of your days. Yeah, because they're like, I, I don't know, a hospice. No one gives a fuck. A hospice nurse said to me once, like, "Well, we're not worried about uh, yeah. addiction, right? What does it matter? What does it matter?" And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? Right. But it's like, I mean, you know, I, I think with, um, you know, obviously, like antibiotics are not like habit forming, so people aren't getting like addicted to like having antibiotics pumped into them. Right. It's just like. You know, it feels like the biofilm thing. It's like a steroid. Yeah. Yeah. That can have like very adverse effects if you continue to use them. Right. When you're not supposed to. And you know, these people are seeing medical doctors. So like, I mean, I think that there's this assumption, especially from like these medical review boards that these doctors that are treating Lyme disease aggressively are doing this, even if the patients don't need it or don't want it, or it's having adverse effects on them. But 
I don't know that there's any real evidence that that happens. Like, you know, I think in all these cases where they bring these people up from uh, about the medical review boards, you know, there's always people who are willing to like say something nasty about the doctor, you know? Yeah. Like no doctor has, as all of their patients say like, this doctor is wonderful. Yes. So you kind of have your to doctor like, is overworked. They're buried by paperwork and bureaucracy. Right. They're fucking tired. They never see their families. Right. I'm not saying that they should be shitty. Right. But it's like, you know, they're also trying to generally like they're not they're trying to treat you generally. They're trying to do the best they can. They're also looking at you as a general person. Right. right? Like I get that you have like a like we all have different high ranging problems, but it's like. Like, for example, like, again, I can only speak to this from personal experience, but it's like, okay, I have allergies. <laughs> we know the worst plague to afflict mankind. The worst plague to afflict mankind. <laughs> Self brought on allergies, which I could easily just end by giving my cat away, but I won't. So one of the treatments for allergies that works amazing is, is a, is a cortical steroid that's in a spray and it. It uh, takes the swell. It immediately reduces the swelling in your sinuses, and then you do another thing to reduce the mucus buildup. It's amazing. You can't take steroids constantly because mm-hmm. it'll reduce. It'll erode the lining on your nose, your nasal ca- passage, and you're going to be fucked. And you're going to get some new thing. Right. So yeah, I might have alleviated your allergic symptoms. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm sure a doctor has all that in their head, right? They're like, right. dude, yeah, I can throw you on antibiotics for the rest of your life. But what if you would also develop some other adverse bullshit, then I'm going to get in trouble. You're going to sue me. I'm going to lose everything. Yeah. I'm trying to be utilitarian, right? They also right. have all these other patients that they're thinking about. Right. I'm yeah. not making, I'm not making excuses for anybody. I'm not trying to fucking, no. you know, it's, it's, it's a bullshit but, thing that I don't have answers to. Yeah. And I'm and saying like, say. if they, if, if the patient does have a reaction or something, They'll change course. They'll yeah. do something different. It's They'll not change like, course. It's not like they're going to say like, oh, you're really not reacting well to this. Well, take more of it. <laughs> See what happens. <laughs> it's, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I guess. Doctors don't operate that way. They, they don't, don't operate that way. You know, they don't do this thing to like. I can't, harm. I can't imagine being in the healthcare field. I'll say that. I have, I have the utmost respect for medical professionals and it's, it's, well, it's, it's a very yeah. dark fucking. It's a tough job. Tough, morbid job that. What's weird is, you know, how many people are like, they, they love the idea of being a doctor because of the money. But to be honest, you're poor for a time when you're a doctor because you have like, yeah, you might be making 200K, but you also are working 80 hours a week. You have $400,000 in medical debt. <laughs> the hundreds of thousands of dollars of You never debt. see anybody. Yeah. Your, li- your job is your life. Yeah. It really, if it's, if it's a field that honestly, I think if you don't love helping people. I don't know why it's thought of as this like, oh, he's a doctor. I mean, I I get that it's respectable, but like people push you into it when like, you should not be pushing people into being a doctor (laughs) if they are not a problem solver. (laughs) Well, and and, and like, think about all these, all these doctors that um, work in these fields where they're helping patients that won't ever get better. Oh my God. Like you think about like palliative care. Oh my God. Like, you know, every time you meet a patient, like you're only seeing this person because they are going to die eventually. Yeah. You're like, I mean, I get it. Everybody's going to die, but yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. How do you, how do you, like, I don't know. Some people are just better built for it. Some people, I don't know how you have like a good disposition about anything. Cause it's like everybody, 
you know, it's like you get to know people because you're their nurse. And then it's like, well, you know, not long from now, they're going to be dead. Well, I've been watching a lot of scrubs lately again for like the fifth time. And, you know, JD would have some kind of fun. Like fucking inner, inner monologue in our relationship. Who's the JD and who's the Turk? Oh, I'm probably more of the JD. Yeah. I think. Yeah, maybe. I don't really see you as a Turk, though. Maybe you're more like a Dr. Todd. Yeah, I would say I'm a Dr. You're Todd. maybe more of an Elliot Reed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> definitely more. Oh, God. We're going to end up together. Um, Wait, have you seen Scrubs? Yeah. Oh, my God. A show you've seen. You've seen all of it? Uh, I don't know. Probably. God, Scrubs I mean, is a good show. I was I was watching TV when it was, like when it was airing on. originally. Yeah. So. God, that's a good show. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know, man. Being a doctor is not fucking fun. It's not easy. I couldn't be a doctor. I couldn't do it. Like, I I'll be try honest. to be nice to my doctor, too. Sometimes you got to be a little bit like, but then we also say things, especially on this show, where we go, you got to be honest with your doctor, too. You got to get second opinions on things. You got to do whatever you think is the best for you. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I have no fucking clue. It's fucked. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know what to tell anybody. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because like I feel like there are a lot of people that just sort of go to bad doctors because of inertia. Like they're already seeing this doctor and you know, like I don't know, my grandmother used to see this doctor. And he beat the fucking he would fucking beat her over the head with a baseball bat. And it's like, Grandma, what the fuck? That's not good for you. And she'd be like, Well, he's my doctor. I trust him. He was one of these doctors that was just like Anything, anything that you, you could call in your head, you come in and complain <laughs> about something. He's like, yeah, I'll just write your prescription God. like without. So she's taken like 20 different medications and like they're having, they're re reacting with each other. Like, yeah. but because he, like she would have them sent to different pharmacies. Like the pharmacist didn't realize that she was taking so many drugs. Mm -hmm. And so like, he's not doing that. Like thinking like, oh, there's going to be drug reactions. And he's a doctor. He's supposed to do that. Like there's supposed to be a check and a balance. Like, the doctor is supposed to be like, I should think through all the medications you're on and if there's going to be any kind of side That's effects. That's why they ask you for everything you're right. taking up front. And then the pharmacist is supposed to like be the person who's the absolute expert on this. And if they come to you and it's like, here's the list of everything this person's on, we're going to add this. The pharmacist is able to like call the doctor and be like, no, 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 no. That won't work because right. of this thing. Right. So like, I don't know. She was on too many things and like she went to another doctor and they were yeah. like, you're taking like, you're taking way too much. Right. Like this, you don't need this much medication. And it like actually made her health a lot better. Isn't it crazy, dude? Like it's crazy. But it's, it's like crazy. She, she's taking this stuff because the doctor was like, well, you complained about this. So this medication is for this and this medication is for this. And it's like there was all this, you know, like reactions happening in her body. She felt like shit. And I'm not, I'm not one of these people who's like, oh no, medication is always bad. Like doctors should never. No, no, it could be very good. Medication is great in a lot of ways. Um, and does a lot of great things. But this is a general problem with American healthcare is that like, yeah, you have, I mean, we, if anything, drugs are too good. You were up, you are a prime example of the opioid ep epidemic and the Oxycontin epidemic that came out. That was your generation, dude. Yeah, we did that. That was my fault. Dude. Whoops. 
<laughs> no, like kids in college started getting addicted to Oxy and stuff when you were around that age. I know. And I feel bad about selling it to them, but <laughs> look, we all had to do what we had to do to get by. No, the, um, but it's like you would find a fucking, oh, here, have some oxycodone. It, it was, you know, it is, you, you bring that up and it's, so, I won't touch the stuff. It's such a different environment because I'll tell you. When I had my wisdom teeth out when I was in high school, mm-hmm. I got Vicodin for that. Mm-hmm. I got a refill of Vicodin. They gave me a prescription with one refill. Like, I didn't even have to call the, the ortho. You need, like, two. I didn't even have to call the surgeon right. to, like, be like, I ran through the whole bottle. Can I get more? Mm-hmm. It just, you know, it's like you did have to get it filled at a pharmacy and stuff like that. But it wasn't like it is now where you don't get refills and, like, you it's a super controlled when uh, I was in college, uh, my one of my college roommates broke his ankle. Yep. And he played through the pain so he could save his bottle of Vicodin that they gave him so he could crush it up and smoke it in a bong oh. with marijuana. Hmm. And apparently it worked pretty well. Did um, he take the biggest bong rips got, in the world? He, he took the biggest bong rip in the world and he got high as fuck. <laughs> Higher probably than anybody's ever been before. I, I mean- But now yeah. it's like, you think about it now, like I had uh, surgery- a few years ago, mm-hmm. and you I, had a uh, a foxtail added to your behind so you could um, nuzzle right to us. I I like gently. I like to have. I like to nuzzle. Um, I like to get my snoot booped. Um, but they. Uh, I had this surgery, and the doctor gave me like two prescriptions for like narcotics, but there was only like fifteen pills each. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, these things did nothing. To me, like I didn't feel anything like it didn't help with the pain. It didn't like I was like, oh, well, if it doesn't help with the pain, there's maybe, some weak shit. Maybe I'll at least get like high. <laughs> it didn't do that either. So I just I think that the attitude around um, pain management has changed so much that you pretty much have to be like at a point where you can't function before they'll like give you strong stuff. Or like you said, you have to be in a position where they're just like, it doesn't matter anymore. Right. Like, like they might so show you gone. some ibuprofen 300s or something, <laughs> yeah. whatever the fuck they're called, but like they're not right, throwing like around Vicodin super, as much. Super extra strength. No, Vicodin's like, I, you never hear like hardly anybody getting Vicodin anymore. At least it's uh, anecdotally. Right. Um. So the, the whole attitude has changed. Right. Probably um, for the better. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I mean, it's also like alternative medicines are here now too. Like, you know, again, you know, it's, it's marijuana. It's not some fucking... Wonder drug, but it's great for I think for pain management. Yeah, at least that's what how I understand it. And so, um, it's good for certain types of pain, certain types of pain. But um, it, and yeah. it's good. It's good for like uh, it's really good for things like anxiety and and epilepsy, right, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so now we have more alternative things, which are good, right? Those are good yeah. measures. Bulk of the country is 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 going forward in that, and so, you know, I guess. I don't know. But in a way, it's like, to me, you know, I think you look at marijuana, like people, people don't see it as like a pharmaceutical, but it, it is, it's a drug. Like, I know I get, it's like, it's not lab produced, like it's natural or whatever, but it's like at the same, to me, it's like, it's all kind of the same. Like, I don't think people should always shy away from like taking medication or taking some kind of drug to like help alleviate symptoms or to make themselves feel better. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to overdo it for sure. You, you don't want to overdo it, but Sometimes it's helpful. It's not a bad thing. Right. Um, speaking of drugs, Lyme disease vaccine. What about it? 
So I don't know if you knew this, but they had a Lyme disease vaccine briefly. Whoa. And it was a complete failure. It got pulled from the market. Oh, um, Dr. McDonald in the documentary says that the thing that they're trying to do with the, with the Lyme disease vaccine is like build it in a way that it's, it's like got the proteins for, for the Bergdorf, Bergdorferi uh, bacterium plus one other thing that's a common co-infection. So it creates this like hybrid protein that'll cause like your body to like make these antibodies that should protect against Lyme disease. Wow. But I don't know, for whatever reason, it doesn't, it's not, it's not available. Um, you can't get a Lyme disease vaccine today. Hmm. Um, and I don't know, it's, it's very interesting when you think about like the fact that the people that write the standards of care, like several of those people are also like accepting money from vaccine manufacturers. Like, I don't know. It's like, are they developing effective treatments or, you know, is, I don't know. It's, right. it's a very murky to me, it is. but there is no, there is no, not currently a Lyme disease vaccine, mm. which could be a game changer, honestly. Big time. Um, Cause you know, it's like you would expect like if the vaccine becomes available, like um, I don't know. I saw some, some statistic in some thing that I was watching as part of this research that like vaccine vaccination rates generally like just people getting vaccines for things are like way up in the last like decade. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like so many more people are getting vaccinated for different things. Right. Than they used to, which is, um, I guess maybe not surprising because there's like more vaccines for stuff than there used to be. Like, you know, you think about like something even like simple, like the flu vaccine. Right. Like, I don't know, 20 years ago, I don't think there even was a flu. You couldn't get a flu shot. Really? Right? Is that a relatively new thing? I think so. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just spitballing here. Oh. But it feels like there's more stuff to be vaccinated. Like, um, <clears throat> you know, if you were a real parent, you would understand this. But um, what? Varicella, the chicken pox. When I was a kid, <sighs> there was no vaccine for chicken pox. Really? No, there's a vaccine for it now. Kids get vaccinated against chicken pox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The chicken pox shot. Yeah. I never got it. Yeah, I never did either. I had chicken Wait, pox. did I? No, I didn't. Because remember, if you get it, it gives it to you. Right. But then you're done for life. Right. You don't. That was the thing, though. You would have chicken pox parties with your kids. Right. Because you want them to get it because it sucks. When I was a kid, I went to a babysitter. So it was like someone would get chicken pox and then everybody who didn't have chicken pox would get chicken pox. Like kid gets chicken pox. You just send them to the babysitter. Because you don't want to be an adult and get it as shingles because it's like it's fucking horrific. Yeah. Shingles is bad. Yeah. Um, Wait a minute. So. But you can still get chicken pox going around. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I mean, it's a thing. It is. It is a thing, I think. But like there's a vaccine for it now. My point is, like, I think there's more stuff. There's more vaccines available. Yeah. So it maybe makes sense that there's like, oh, there's you get people are more vaccinated because it's there's more vaccines. I don't know that that has anything to do with Lyme disease. I know. But when we talk about topics (laughs) like like these topics, I'm just spiral off. These fucking pharmaceuticals, the health care industry, any of it, it's so dirty. All of it just feels so fucking dirty. That's the thing with this Lyme disease that's got me is these like, just like these conflicts of interest with the people who write the standards. Ugh. And you know, this is the th- part where I feel for like practicing physicians. It's like, okay, you don't have to be an ass to your patients about it, but like, you know, a lot of them are like, no, here's the standard of care. Like, based on this stuff, long term chronic Lyme disease doesn't exist. It's gotta be something else. So like I feel for them because 
they're doing their job in the they're sense doing that the best they can. They're saying like, here's got. the literature on this disease, right? And it doesn't support what you're telling me. So I have to think about this a different way. And the you know patients are saying like, it is Lyme disease. It is Lyme disease. It is Lyme disease. Like, uh, Doctor McDonald basically said that you know finding the biofilm on this like this was like a victory for mm-hmm. patients because it supports what they say. Like patients have been saying for like years, like I'm suffering from Lyme disease. The biofilm makes them right because it's like that perfectly fits into here's all the stuff that you described. If these spirochetes can develop a biofilm like that makes long-term Lyme disease possible. But I mean, it's like if you're a doctor, why would you assume that your patients know more than you, (laughs) you know, like, and doctors hate that. And yeah. I don't blame them. Yeah, I mean, you like, went to school for eight fucking years and I'm going to sit here and like be like, can you I ima- read this on the internet. Can you imagine a person like me going into my doctor? <laughs> and I don't read anything. So I can't even say that. I can't even say I read this thing and being like, no, I think you're wrong. Like if I was a doctor and a guy like me came in and said that, I would be like, fuck you. Like, just shut the fuck up. I feel I feel for the people, man. I really do. It's I do. It's, it's tough. up. It's tough. It's tough for everybody. You don't have the money to go to all these fucking doctors and try different. Do- what if you live in the middle of Bumblefuck? You know, right? Yeah. They, At least we live in Chicago, where I've got like forty different kinds of doctors. I don't like you. Guess what? I'm gonna go to a different hospital network, different hospital system. Get a third opinion. Yeah, the uh, documentary shows like a gathering of people who lost loved ones to Lyme disease yeah. in Iowa, and you know, one of the pr- people says like, you know, we literally went to every doctor within a certain radius and none of them would treat anything. So like, you know, sometimes you do end up in those situations where your options are somewhat limited and the doctors just, they refuse. They, they, they don't believe that you have what you think you have and they won't treat that thing. They'll treat yep. something else because that's what they think it is. Right. So it is tough. Um, you know what else is tough? What's tough? Delivering verdict on oh this topic. Oh my God, you're right. Should we get into that? Let's get into it. All right. You who who, who you, you want to go first or should I? Go ahead. All right. All right. I'm going to give kind of a. I'm going to I'm going to be in the green on this. I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'm going positive pl- plausible plus plus. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm not I'm not case confirmed because I'm not into this as a bioweapon. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All the bioweapon stuff. But I'm going to tell you the. As usual, the real conspiracy here is the more mundane thing. What is a weapon? Yeah, what? Yeah, like what's? Well, I, I don't know. It's it's weaponized health bullshit, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, in a way. Yeah, I, that's I mean, the argument you're making. That is the argument that I'm making. Is that like the structure of healthcare, the interplay of the supposedly independent bodies that make these standards of care? They're supposed to be independent. Um could be so in bed with like insurance companies and you know have people who are profiting from different parts of the treatment of a disease it really muddies the water as to like that we're getting to the best standard of care possible so i applaud the connecticut attorney general for going after the idsa from an antitrust standpoint because it does seem like it had an impact mm-hmm. on the way that they develop their standards because you can go now and look at the standards and the standards will say like at the end, whether it's whether it's, you know, a strong um, opinion on how to treat this because it's backed by X, you know, like good cases, strong cases, or it's a weak recommendation because there's not a lot of scientific backing for it. That seems like a better way to do it than a blanket like 
this is like, what this is what you should this do. This is strongly recommended. Like right. having more data at your fingertips is always smarter. Yeah. Why is this strongly recommended? Well, out of 1,000 cases, 850 yielded these results. Right. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, okay. Now I've got like some numbers to play with and I get yeah. what I'm working with here. But it t- does seem to me like, and I'm, you know, I'm no expert on like all the standards of care for every disease that this is susceptible to, um, I don't know. These conflicts of interest, I guess, is the big thing. And it's like the people that lose in those situations, it's the patients, the people suffering from diseases. Yeah. So I think I think there's something to be said there. Uh, this is probably happening with other diseases, too. I mean, probably even like long term diseases like who knows? Maybe this is like an issue with like something like AIDS or um, other chronic yeah. illnesses that we don't really have a cure for. Um so I don't know. I think that's the real to me. That's the real conspiracy here is this these conflicts of interest and the lack of independent standards making in the medical field. Right. Um, Stu point, Andy. Um, yeah, I'm going to go. I I, I kind of agree with that. I, I, I like how you sum that up. And I think we're in agreement there. Um, I'm just going to go straight down the middle here. Plausible because, yeah, I agree with you. You know, it's obviously like we're here to discuss the whole bioweapon angle, which I don't think that there's ICBMs covered in ticks being dropped on places, right? As you would imagine a bioweapon to be. But there is sort of, yes, like you said, like a weaponized disinterest in serving the health of peoples, right? Which is, in a way, an argument you can make that it that is weaponized, right? Yeah. Because it's weaponized for... We're not weaponizing our curiosity, right? We're weaponizing our dollar bills in the pockets. Yeah, we're weaponizing. <laughs> we're weaponizing this weird system of insurance that we've to like hurt ourselves. I guess it is really weird when you think about health insurance. Is strange. It is a very strange thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, well said, Artemy Lockyer Corbell <laughs> Chevrolet GMC. Um, and that's it. That's the that's Lyme disease, Beefers. So let us know what you think about this disease and its treatment, and I guess its potential as a bioweapon. Um, use the hashtag. And other fruit-based things like Lemon Party. Right, yeah. Let us know what you think about Lemon Party. Have you been to a Lemon Party? Where can I go to a Lemon Party? Um, please send me any links you have about Lemon Party. Um, use the hashtag. Uh, Fuck ticks. Fuck ticks. Use the hashtag fuck ticks. <laughs> Let us know what you think about Lyme disease. Um, tweet at us. Get us at Instagram at Mr. Bunker Pod. You can email us, Mr. Bunker Pod at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube. Check out some videos that aren't about ticks and Lyme disease. Uh, just look for Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast on YouTube. Um, if you have the means to do so and you feel so inclined, please consider becoming a patron of the show going to www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Bunker Pod. Um, you'll get all this access to our back catalog of Patreon-only behind-the-scenes episodes uh, where it's Art and I ASMRing our way through life. Um, me in the shower, Art on the toilet, yep. both of us eating cereal, both of us eating eggs. That's it. Um, Those are all we eat. That's, that's, our, that's, full it. that's diet. our whole diet, cereal and eggs. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us today. Um, thank you to Ian O'Sullivan Hamilton for suggesting this topic. Art, any last words for the beefers? Um, 
you know, one thing we didn't talk about was scurvy. And limes might have full of diseases, but scurvy they help prevent because citrus fruit. Well, I would I would have brought it up, but it's a little bit of a scurvy topic for me. I was a little, a little bit scurred. Um, of pirates, I know. So, yeah. <laughs> Arr. Um, so not for the titular Mr. Bunker, for but for my lamentable co-host, Art Stone, this is Andy Hart saying that was the entire enchilada. Oh, fuck, I screwed up my line. That was the whole enchilada. You don't have, you don't have Lyme disease. You have rhyme disease. If you were a rapper, you'd have rhyme disease. Hey there! I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. <laughs> 